Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You're listening to highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. All right, coming up during the morning, the budget. How did it affect you? Did it affect you at all? Do you actually even care what was in the budget? All right, the petrol and diesel went up tuppence at midnight. The cigarettes have gone up 50 cents. No, they didn't touch the drink. Nothing done to the drink. Uh, the home heating oil will go up 15 cents in May. There's nothing in the tax, or 15 euro a fill in May, rather. There's nothing in the tax for you. There's nothing in the pensions or any welfare payments for you. No, there wasn't really a whole pile in it, but we'll get to it anyway later on. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696, and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. But let's kick off with something bright and lively that has toured the world now. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. It's the Young Offenders Dance. I have no idea what it's called, but it's become known now as the Young Offenders Dance. Ivana, uh, how Hiya. are you doing? How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. And John is with you. He is indeed. Talk, He's next to me. Good. Talk to you in a second. I went through the video this morning. How many places did you do this in? We did it in nine different countries and a few times in some of the countries then because we visited different cities. Yeah, there was... You were in Japan, and you were in Australia, and you were in Fiji, and you were in New Zealand. Oh, we were all over, yeah. We decided to take a trip of a lifetime. Yeah. Now, who filmed it for you? Because you obviously didn't film it yourself. No, we actually, we did it ourselves. We got the tripod and set oh. up everywhere we went. Okay. And just recorded it on the phone. Right. And then did anybody say, what are you two lunatics doing here? We definitely got very strange looks. <laughs> uh, everyone would be like laughing or pointing, kind of. No one actually came up to us, though. Did anybody ask you what it was about, no? No, no one ever came up, but we definitely got a few looks, all right. Yeah, so clearly major Young Offenders stars are fans, rather, the two of you. Oh, huge. We're very proud of it. Actually, John um, was an extra in it. He's going to be in the upcoming series. Oh, very good. Yeah, so that's how we kind of got into it, really. And uh, we just said, he was asked to do a few more days and then uh, he couldn't do them because we were away. So we said we'd do the, the dance instead all over. Fabulous, fabulous. I'll t- I get his story about being an extra. You yeah, said, but yeah. no, no one came near you. No, no one came <laughs> over to us. Just look. <laughs> like if you'd done it anywhere around this place, around Cork or even up in Galway or Dublin, should they have been all around you? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but sure. I think that's also Irish people loving to talk. Yeah. You were away for 14 weeks. What a trip. We were. I know, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was brilliant. And we actually, we got engaged and we were away as well. Was that, was that always so. in, the, in the script or what? No, no, I didn't know about it. <laughs> oh, at this stage, I think I should, I, I, I better talk to himself. Yeah, no bother. Put, me on Put to you him on there. to him there now. <laughs> John. Hello. How are you, fella? Tell me, tell me, first of all, about being an extra. How did that come about? Oh, um... Do you know when the uh, when the thing came on there a few days ago uh, or a few months ago? You know, um, just to apply online and stuff through uh, the video the video app online or something. I, I applied for the crack and I just said I'll go for it because I was um, I was an extra in the the Christmas special as well. Okay. So I just, I just said I keep my, the momentum going and stuff like. But um, yeah, I got I ended up getting a call back anyway asking to go in and sure I just spent um, a day or two day working with um, Dominic McGill really. You know. Um, 
he was Sergeant Tony Healy in it. Yeah. I yeah. was kind of, uh, I was his sidekick and he was kind of just giving out to me all the time and stuff. <laughs> were, you, were you some kind of a dumb guard or something? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of a, I was, I was a dopey guy, yeah. And it wasn't even, it was kind of unintentional. I was just dopey looking like so. <laughs> 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 he, he just started giving out to me like every time they got away and stuff. Like it was, it was, it was fairly, it was fairly fun though to be fair. So we will be watching an outfit in the new series. I don't know when it's due to go on the telly. They're saying around Christmas time or early the new year or something. Now, 14 weeks was that was some trip yeah yeah it was good yeah yeah we kind of um, like Ivan was saying there we're both psychiatric nurses and we just said we'd take leave and we said um, we'd, we'd, uh, we'd just do kind of a big trip we, uh, we were talking about it for years like so we said we'd finally kind of get around to it mm. how long are you going out together oh we're going out since we were in school um, about jeez, I'd say about nine years now. Um, she's uh, she was in Scullivar and I was up in Christians. All right. Oh, sure. Listen, how convenient is that? I know. Yeah, down the hill. <laughs> so you popped the question: where and when? And you caught her by completely by surprise. Yeah, that was at the. I think. Geez, uh, I'll, I'll get this right now. I think it was July twenty eighth. Um, we were we were finished in Thailand and uh, we were in Thailand for a couple of weeks and stuff and we visited some schools and all that but um, it was and then we ended up going to the Maldives um, and we went to a, an island called Eucalyptus and we stayed there for a few nights and um, I was talking to the some of the lads on the island actually and they set up um, kind of a boat crew and um, they sent us out to this kind of I got to, I asked them to bring us out to this kind of sand bank kind of it's just it's just a strip of sand right. it's a couple of hundred meters and stuff but it's in the middle of nowhere it's just you know surrounded by a couple of islands and stuff but um yeah we went out there and they set up um you know they kind of set up dinner and kind of all that kind of romantic stuff like and then uh you know i, I waited for sunset and stuff then but yeah yeah that's when we yeah that's when we did it in the Maldives. nice one nice place to do it you'll have to you'll have to really beat it now for the honeymoon <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll spend, we spend the next ten years trying to afford to get married first speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our honeymoon will probably be in Clarny or something, <laughs> <laughs> or a caravan in Belly of Bunyan or something. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. congratulations on getting engaged. Did you expect this video to take off the way it has? No. No, we said we'd do it for the laugh for, you know, just kind of ourselves and stuff. We said that we were just, um, it would just be funny for us, like, because we both, we both enjoyed the Young Offenders a lot, you know. Yeah. So um, we just said, there, we'll do it. It'll be something different for us, like, because mm. we always, um, we always kind of make our own kind of videos for ourselves, like, everywhere we go and just add a bit of music to it. And, you know, it's nice to remember what you did and stuff. So we mm. said we'd just do this as um, something different. But it, I put it's it up well on, produced, John. How did you put it together? Um, you kind of just pick stuff up every now and again, kind of. So, like, when I was on the laptop there, I had some, I, I can't even remember it now, I had some app there just to just to play around with videos and stuff. Yeah. And um, you just kind of pick it up after a while. Because it's very slick, in fairness. Yeah, thanks very much. It looks good, you know. It's good work. And I suppose you'll have to, you'll, you'll become known for it now around the place and you'll probably have to, have, have, have any of the crew been on to you about it yet? Do you know, I, I put it up on uh, my Instagram for laugh and I tagged the Young Offenders and I tagged Alex and I tagged uh, Chris. And, um, yeah, they all commented, but, um, you know, Alex, Alex Alex commented there, like, and he started, you know, following me back and stuff, and Chris commented. And then um, on the YouTube video itself, um, Shane Casey, he's um, he's Billy, Billy Murphy. Yeah. In it. yeah, yeah. 
he commented uh, on the video on YouTube saying, oh, you know, good video, now give me your phone. And we just, we just, uh, <laughs> then we just started yeah, laughing. was like, asking for you, yeah? <laughs> yeah, we just thought it was hilarious. Like. <laughs> Put me back onto Ivana for a second. I, I will, I will. Yeah. Thanks very much. Hello? So Ivana, he takes you out onto this strip of sand and he waits until the sunset and he has the whole thing set up and you yeah. were completely taken by surprise. Oh, I was, yeah. And of course, no, in all John's style, he had a photographer waiting to capture it all. He didn't. <laughs> he did, yeah, he did. So it was, it was a big shock, but a lovely one. You know now and that every couple in Cork will be sitting down tonight and there'll be a row in every house. and every. <laughs> I didn't do that for me. I didn't do that oh, for me. He has set the bar pretty high. He has set the bar pretty high. So he has. Congratulations on the engagement. Thank you so much. And I'm delighted that the video is going so well for you because it's brilliant. I was saying it was really well produced and and you've travelled the world and gotten engaged and now you're going to be famous through video. (laughs) Thank you so much. When are you going back and do boring things like work? We're already back into it, back into the full swing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Ivana. Listen, uh, my best to the two of you. That's Ivana Carney and John O'Flynn. Fourteen-week trip around the world. Did the, the, the young offender, offenders dance everywhere they went? Got engaged in the middle of it. Debate that you can't really in two throws. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Budget reaction coming up. Now, all we're interested in is how it affects your home, how it affects you and maybe your children, how you get to work, how you get home from work, the cost of living. Does it actually affect you at all, reading through it? As usual, it's in all the papers this morning. What's there and what's not there? There isn't a whole lot there, to be quite honest with you. They did nothing and blamed it on Brexit, is pretty much what what the story is. But there wasn't a whole pile for the guards. Uh, They're looking for extra guards, but we don't know how they're going to pay for them. They really don't know how they're going to pay for them. They said they'll bring us a few hundred extra guards, but sure, we've no idea how we're going to pay for them. They always put it in the budget. They never tell us how they're going to pay for it. Anyway, we'll get to that in a while. 1850-715-996. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. You know, we've talked a lot about antisocial behaviour over the last couple of weeks and there are those who believe that it's at budget time we should look at the spending on things like guards and things like law and order and then afterwards, when we have antisocial behaviour, we know what to blame. The, the seeds of antisocial behaviour are sown years in advance by problems be igno- being ignored and by you know, streets and places being denuded of Gardaí, as has happened over the last few months. Now, we've been contacted by, by Danny. Danny was listening on Monday when we started off our week by talking to Jade. Do you remember that? She put me onto the floor and just kept hitting me. My sister was fighting two of them, and there was one on top of me, so I, was, I had to push her off. Like, we could, like, I had to push her off with one hand because my top, I had to hold up my top because she ripped it off me. I got kicked into the head, dig into the face, into the eye, rip my eyes just gone. I can see purple. Like what would happen is it like one of them would hit me. I'd get get off, and literally another one would come just dive onto me. That's Jade talking to me on Monday. 
about what happened to her on Saturday night. Danny heard that and it resonated with you. Good morning, Danny. Hi, PJ. How are you doing? Good. It brought back memories to you, I think. Um, yeah, it's something that's all too frequent in Cork City, as I was saying to Fergal. I think Cork is um, is a lot rougher on the street at night than, than Dublin or Limerick these days, to be honest with you. Do you? Uh, yeah, I would say so. What was your um, own experience? Um, well, my own experience was I was in um, I was in a pub um, in Cork. It was about six years ago, and uh, there was a, a fella in there, and it, it started off with something so simple. The fella took my hat, and he wouldn't give it back to me, right? Right. So I leaned in to get it off him after about ten minutes, and he headbutted me. Um, so the, the security staff in this pub saw that immediately and kicked him out. Okay. So that was fine. I kind of carried on with my night. Um, and then about two hours later, as the, the pub was closing, um, I left to go home. And as I turned the corner uh, on Finn's corner, um, your man was there with about 10 of his buddies and just came straight over to me and uh, headbutted me again. Um, and then all of his buddies kind of ganged up as well. And it was similar to what Jade was saying there. Um, it was a case of I, I got knocked out a few times and every time I got knocked out, I got knocked out again. Wow. Um, so I, I'm not much of a fighter myself. Well, no so one is I, against him. You know. So I, I ended up breaking my own hand trying to to fight back, but naturally it's after a few points as well. Like you know, so um, not being a fighter and being after a few points, you're not going to do it very well. Like you know. Mm. Um, so yeah, that went on for about fifteen or twenty minutes. I'd say. Uh, there was a good few of them, and they were they were older lads as well. Like I was. And Danny, did did anybody sort of stop a car or or call a guard or did anybody leave him alone? Cop on. Did anybody even attempt to tell these guys to cop on? Well, a, a few of my buddies were there, but they were a bit behind me. So by the time they caught up, kind of the damage was done. Like you know. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no cars or anything like that stopped. The guards were called, and the guards did show up. But um, these lads had left by then. These lads were all in their thirties as well. I was, I was twenty-one. Um, so the, the guard showed up, and I spoke to the guard, mm. and he told me to just leave a statement the next day. And I said, "Yeah, no problem." Took his name, went home, came into the guard station the next day. Your man was nowhere to be seen. Um, I kept coming in, and he was always in the other station. So yeah. then I went to the other station, and he was nowhere to be found. Um, yeah. Eventually, I I did get him after about four weeks. Four weeks. And if, uh, four weeks. Um, and then he, he denied even being there on that night. And I had, uh, I'd, I'd been paying a solicitor and everything like that. And I had medical bills as well because um, I broke my tooth. Yeah. Um, and a few ribs in my hand, my eye socket was fractured. A few things like that, like, you know. Christ. And it so, took you um, four weeks to find the guard. To find the guard, yeah. And I, I can't remember his name now, but if I saw him, I'd know him, you know. Right, right. So um, it's just, it's appalling. And uh, I think the worst part and, and, was... And it is true, isn't it, Danny, that you can't just walk in, even though you should be able to, you th- you can't just walk into a random station, like, say, the Bridewell, which would be the nearest one to you there, and say, I was assaulted the other night outside, Finch, going, I want to make a statement. Yeah, it doesn't work like that at all for some reason. Um, like, as soon as I mentioned that there was a specific guard that I dealt with, all of the other guards in there wanted nothing to do with it and said that he'd deal with it, you know. But he was nowhere to be found. That's ridiculous. It's mad. It's mad. Carry on. So did you ever get any comeback on this? Did you get, ever get any bit of justice at all for this? 
No, no, because um, I, I'd been paying the solicitor fees and the, the kind of dental fees and stuff like that, and the, the, the costs were getting higher and, and nothing was getting done, so I just dropped it, you know? God. But um, I, I think what I was saying to your, your colleague there earlier was um, I worked in a kind of door-to-door sales place uh, about a year prior, and the, the fellow who started on me worked there as well. I was only there for about two weeks, yeah. so I could actually give his name, and they still couldn't do anything. You You see, this is the problem, and we've discussed this more times than once over the last few weeks since we started to focus on the the level of of thuggery around our city. That, you know, an awful lot of it can be carried on with absolute impunity. They can beat you up, they can attack you in the street, they can rob you on your way home from the shop on a Saturday night, they can follow you out of a pub and batter you senseless outside McDonald's. And they know full well that nine times out of ten, nothing will happen to them. I know, I know, and it's, it's, it's those kind of people who don't go out kind of looking for a laugh on a Friday or Saturday night. They go out looking for this kind of thing. Like, I was in I was in the same pub about two years ago and I, I heard a fight kicking off behind me. I turned around, same fella, you know? Yeah. Mental. Yeah, there are people who go out, and again, if you say this, certain politicians will, will tell you you're spoofing or they'll tell you you're exaggerating. And, you know, there are people who actually go out on a Saturday night, get tanked up, with and drink is probably the least of their problems. They get tanked up and they go out looking for someone to fight with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of the drink, I'd say they'd be doing the same. Like you know, that's just the the Dutch courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't hold out more, even though I know it, I, I was talking to Jade and Rachel on Monday, and I know they were intent intending to go in to a guard station and make a full statement, even though the guard that they met on Saturday night, according to themselves, said come back on Thursday. They've got little or no chance of tracking that guard down. I wouldn't say so. Like, I, I, I'd recommend still doing it because it's better than doing nothing. You know, like, maybe I just got unlucky. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's seems to be unlikely, you know. Things yeah. like this happen all the time and nothing gets done. Yeah. Until they give them parking tickets. And this, and, this was, <laughs> and this was a few years ago. This wasn't today nor yesterday. No, no, this is six years ago. All right, Danny, thank you very much. Which means that it was always, it was there six years ago. It's always been there. Just checking the budget, actually. It says uh, there's 81 million being added to the Gather budget to 700 new recruits, some extra civilian staff, uh, which will allow some more Gardaí to return to frontline policing. But that's not actually an increase in recruitment at all. Mags said that's not an increase. That's just the average level of recruitment. But the budget tells us uh, 81 million up to 700 new recruits. Uh, on antisocial behaviour, Carla says a friend of hers had problems with her child. People say blame the parents, but it's not as simple as that. Teachers now can only do very basic punishment. Uh, they're so restricted. Parents don't always have their own way with children. It's a different world now with social media and peer pressure. Her friend had nowhere to go for help. She had to be careful what she said because you didn't want to get the child into trouble. If your child is behaving like that with you as well as everyone else, there's very little you can do if you can't get outside help and advice in a safe place. If they had help and didn't avail of it, then you could say, blame the parents. A lot of people say blame the parents, find the parents, penalise the parents particularly if they're underage. But, yeah, some kids just are out of control and their parents can do nothing about it. We had an anonymous call, which I'll read, because it'll be quite long. I'll read that in a minute. But, again, uh, it's 
the seeds of this kind of stuff have been set years ago when the number of guards dropped back. Um, Danny's problem was six years ago. The cutbacks, the really savage cutbacks, started ten years ago, maybe? They started when the arse fell out of everything in 2008, so we had less Gardaí on the streets. And six years ago, Danny got badly beaten up and couldn't find the guard then that came to see him that night. Then only last Saturday night, Jade got a hammering outside uh, McDonald's in Winthrop Street after it started inside in the Old Oak. It's happening because there's not any Gardaí on the beat or any Gardaí on the beat worth talking about. And it's budget day when you see a headline like this where they say, oh, 81 million euro, 700 new recruits. A couple of things that doesn't take into account. It doesn't take into account the guards who will retire while those newbies are being recruited and trained. And bearing in mind that Gardaí retire quite young, and they're retiring uh, at a rate that is faster than the newbies are being taken on. So that might as well not be there at all. 1850 715 On the subject of the budget, we asked you to think how it affects you. There's not a whole lot in it. Like if you've got a couple of kids under eight, then they're going to get free GP care up to the age of eight. They get free dental care up to the age of six. Now, how are they going to pay for it? They've not told us. The doctors are blue in the face from saying they actually can't accommodate the under sixes as it is. So now they're going to have to take the under eights as, 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 as well. I don't know what the dentists are going to say about taking all the under sixes. If you smoke, then it's gone up 50 cents a pack since midnight. Um, the diesel and petrol are gone up tuppets a litre since midnight. The home heating oil is going up 15 euro a fill in May. Now, there is a bit of an increase in the one-parent family payment and there's a change in the working family payment and there's a spend of $1.1 billion to deliver 11,000 new social homes in 2020. Are these the ones that we've been waiting on since 2012 or 13, Or are they the actual same ones? Or are they going to be actual new ones? That's the question we never get an answer to. How did it affect you? Were you reading it last night? Were you looking at it and saying, nah, nothing in that for us? Or will you actually lose? 1850 715 996. If you look at the papers, they take a different take on it this morning. For example, the, the, Daily, Mail says, uh, the Daily Mail says that the budget hammers workers and pensioners. Well, it doesn't quite hammer them. They just get nothing. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Lord, Lord, Lord. On the very morning after the diesel and petrol went up at midnight to supposedly encourage us to use public transport. We got calls in the last few minutes to say the Glenville bus hasn't arrived this morning. 30 people left stranded between Glenville, Carrig Navarre and Whitechurch. Very angry caller saying, OK, they're encouraging us to use public transport. Well, where is the flipping public transport? And by the way, for people accusing me of moaning about the guards, I'm not moaning about the guards. I'm actually quoting the Association of Guards, the Sergeants and Inspectors. That 700 guards is actually down on last year. Let's go through the budget, though, and how it affects the average ordinary family. Let's pick an ordinary family with 2.4 kids living quite 
an ordinary everyday life. Nothing spectacular. Nothing like being rich, but they get by. How does the, the budget affect them? Eddie Hobbs, good morning to you. Good morning. I'm I'm just picturing point four of a child sitting at the yeah at the di- at the dinner table. <laughs> but they're there anyway. <laughs> but it hasn't done really anything from for you know Joe and Mary Soap or Sean and Sarah O'Sullivan. It's done nothing for them. No, it hasn't. I mean, this is um, this is not really a budget in the way we understand it conventionally over all our lives. It's kind of a unique standstill. Um, because of you know the events of uh, happening in the in Britain with Brexit and so on, and I think the government just took the view that until that uncertainty is out of the way, it, they're just freezing stuff. Really, no, I'm going to say that it's not. It has an austerity type feel in the sense that you know we've all experienced some improvement in the uh, huge tax burden that's been imposed on workers since the global financial crisis. Uh, in incremental budgets over the last number of years, and there's been some improvements there, although very we're, we're a long way to go. Very oh, very small. small. It's take another small. 10 years before we're, we're finished paying off the horrendous cost of the bank, banking collapse. Like that, that, temporary, that temporary little thing, the USC, 11 years ago yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, well, you're absolutely right to finger that. Uh, you know, there's no such thing. Once the Department of Finance gets its, uh, gets its teeth into a stream of easy... Tax uh, um, easy, easy tax receipts. They're, they'll you know they'll never get out of it. Mm. Uh, so I think that's that's a long term feature. They might roll it up into something, call it something else, but it will be a long term feature. So the uh, the tax wedge, in other words, the burden on um, tax, especially at low low wages in Ireland, is still very high, mm. and uh, and that that's not relieved. And th- what that then means is that. A large number of people have, because their incomes have gone up a bit, are now falling into the top rate of tax. So I I did some calculations last night, and it looks to me as if 46,000 people fell into the top rate of tax category uh, over the last 12 months. Because you go into it so low in this country, so ridiculously low compared compared to the UK. Another calculation I heard early this morning, Eddie, and maybe you've done the numbers on it, yeah. is that you might say to your ordinary family, well, you've not gained anything and you've not lost anything. But in real terms, when you take things like VAT and the mm. cost of living into account, they actually are going to lose. Well, well, that's correct. I mean, the, uh, it depends on how you're spending your money. But, I mean, you know, prices are rising and prices are falling. But the, the overall net increase in inflation is, is still arguably, it, it will be argued, is low. But the, the real problem is that we're still paying, uh, all of us, for the horrendous blowout uh, 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 10 years ago. And, and uh, you know, and we're in a long-term journey to try and get back to where we were and therefore, anything that stops an incremental improvement or an incremental lift in the burden is effectively, in my view, austerity. Yeah. Because what we've got, if you think about it, we've had four or five years now of quite strong economic recovery. We've, we've got the first budget for years and years where we've got a bit of surplus. And what are we doing? We're standing still. So therefore, by, by, by logic... The, uh, the common um, income earner in Ireland is 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 now being burdened again for another another twelve months, depending mm. on what happens across the water. Now it may and very in, well be... yeah, in very simple terms. Mm. In very simple terms, first of all, we're being told um, by those who want us to listen that the economy is flying. First and foremost, is it actually flying? And secondly, 
Like, they've said we can't do anything because of Brexit. Is that, is that true? Well, you see, uh, the alternative that the government could have done is to assume that there's going to be a, a deal, a soft Brexit, or a Remain outcome of, of the highly complex pathways through all of the minefield uh, in Britain. And we won't know until it, un, until it happens. And if they did that, they could have, they could have had another expansionary-type budget yesterday. And then we would be, we would be rightly criticising them for, being, for, you know, for taking a, a sunshine approach when we all know there's foul weather potentially coming in and the whole thing could have to be pulled back. Yeah. So, I mean, therefore, they're using what I call the law of prudence, which is an accounting convention which says that, look, uh, and it overrides all other conventions and it basically says that if, if there's any kind of uncertainty about a particular item, you don't include it in the account. Hope for the best and prayer. Uh, yeah, and then, like, the what could happen is in reverse, where... If, it's, if the outcome goes in the opposite direction to a no deal in Britain over the next six to God knows how long, 12 months, how long it'll ever take to, to wind its way through, and you get a soft Brexit, or you get a, you get a remain, which is unlikely but still possible, um, you, um, you, you know, you, you could always have another budget. So he was, he was kind of right to be careful, I suppose. Well, I think so, yeah, saying. on balance, but, yeah. But, but again, and finally, just to wrap up, you know that we're, we're being told day in, day out, week in, week out, that the economy is strong and sound. Is it really, Eddie, in ordinary terms for ordinary people? Well, we've, well it's a very good question. The economy, nothing is ever strong and sound. Uh, it, they're just words. The question is, how, you know, how resilient is the Irish economy to external shocks? And the answer is only a little bit resilient because we're, what we've done is we've swapped a bubble in the housing market which blew and we now have a bubble in corporate tax uh, so uh, in other words our corporate tax receipts are now about 19% of all income coming into the exchequer and uh, that's very high uh, now that's a good thing because we're getting we're getting good 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 receipts mm. um, but the thing is how how reliant or how how you know how sustainable is that into the future because when you look underneath it you'll see that some 77% of it is foreign direct investment firms and yeah. most of that is coming from 10 big you know, and, technology and if, any, if any of them were to start pulling the plug, we'd, we'd be in very serious We'd have a hole, right? And so, therefore, uh, that's a potential shock. Um, uh, and then, of course, you have a lot of external factors as well that weigh in on us because we're such an open economy. So we are, uh, we are we're very unusual, uh, in, if I could just say this. We're, 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 we're like a tiger. We're, sorry, I hate the word tiger. We're like an Asian We're like a developing uh, world economy. Um, or, or the way we uh, are highly leveraged to global growth. So if, glo- if the global economy is doing well, we do you know, almost one and a half times as well as the average country. Yeah. But then if there's any kind of a call from outside, outside we get the flu. And, and that's never going to change. So that's, are the we, nature, it, that's the nature of the beast with us, yeah. unfortunately. Eddie, listen, thanks as always for your time. That's Eddie Hobbs, uh, 1850-715-996. The, the verdict in a simple sentence is there's been nothing in this for the average family. You, you don't lose, and I'm talking about the average working family, you don't actually lose, but at the end of the day, you don't gain either. And in real terms, you will lose because, well... You didn't get anything to deal with that. You didn't get anything to deal with inflation. You didn't get anything to deal with the normal fact that the price of living continues to go up. So if you don't get anything to deal with those things, you do lose. Declan Jordan is an economist at UCC. Declan, you've been running your eye over this. And again, let's bear in mind the, the average household, the average family, nothing here for them at all, is there? Good morning. Um, good morning, PJ. Uh, 
No, I, I wouldn't say there's nothing there for them. And, and there is, you know, uh, I suppose criticism or praise, depending on where you're coming from, on this cautious budget from, from the Minister. But it's his job to be cautious. Um, I think we've learned uh, bitterly uh, in the run to the crisis what happens when we have ministers for finance who spend money that they don't have um, and, and who come under political pressure to have giveaway budgets. I mean, in a way, Brexit gives cover here, I think, for a cautious budget, which we should have had anyway. The economy is doing, is doing well. Um, the last thing the economy need, needed or needs now is a stimulatory budget, a, a tax giveaway, um, uh, substantial increases in current expenditure. Mm. So, you know, it had to be cautious anyway. Um, and, and also, you know, I know you say that there's, there's nothing here for the average household, which, you know, the cost of, uh, of living is going up and we're not getting nothing in the budget. Um, it, we don't get our income from the budget. Um, we get our income from our wages. Mm-hmm. Wages are rising um, slowly, really? moderately. Yeah, they are. On average, they're rising by about just over 3%. Um, so some people are doing better than that, and some people aren't doing as well as that. Um, I think but they are they're in faster. the public sector, Declan. No, 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 no. Um, they're rising across the board. Um, and not, not everywhere. I mean, you know, in, in economics terms, we have to use 3%, because you'll give me an example of somebody who isn't getting it. I'll give you an example of somebody who is getting it. So we, we look at averages, right? Yeah. So in, on average, people are better off this year than they were last year. Um, so the cost of living is not going up as fast as the average cost of living, which also, inflation is also an average. So the, the cost of what you buy is not going up as fast as, as the wages that you're getting in. So, you, so, okay, you didn't get anything in the budget, but that doesn't mean you're going to be worse off next year than you are this year. My, my worry about the budget, or my concern about the budget, is not that it was cautious. We, we, it needed to be cautious. Mm. But it's, that it's, 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 it's just lacking in imagination. Um, we haven't done enough, for example, on climate change. We haven't done enough um, in terms of housing. We haven't done enough. I mean, the, prob- the problem is that we have... We have problems hanging over from the crisis, right? So we have a, a housing crisis, which is... Well, there's 1.1 billion going in there, isn't there? For... It's not enough. Um, I mean, we've, we've got to think, you know, what, what happens is, in these budgets, is that we have, you know, uh, media and, and, and phone shows and people, you know, looking for a bit for them. Yeah. And we spread things so thinly that we can't actually make a difference in everything. One example is, for example, um, we, we, we take the carbon tax, so six, six euro increase in the carbon tax, two euros in, on 60 litres of petrol. That's not going to change any behaviour. That's not going to really be felt. That's, that's, that change is simply the change we observe every couple of weeks at the petrol pump anyway through changes in the yeah. oil price. So what should have been done there? Well, I think there should have been a commitment to, to increase carbon tax over a longer period. It should have been a bigger increase that that money then should have been taken to um, about half of it given back to people on lower incomes through social welfare payment or through family income supplement. Mm. And the other half taken to retrofit homes, to invest in wind yeah, energy. How would you do it? I mean, would you have put the price of a litre of petrol or diesel up, what, 10? Oh, I think it should have been at least 10, um, possibly even see, 20 you, euros. You see, there's the problem. You mm. can sit and you can look at your accounts and say, it should have been at least 10. Mm. Now, that's a, that's a burden on, oh, yes, on, on a household. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know? Is, yeah. That's a burden on a household. All tax is a burden on a household. Ah, uh, yeah. But, like, what about taxing aviation fuel? What about taxing all the real big offenders? Yeah. So Why do carbon, you hammer so, the small guy all the time? Well, carbon tax isn't, uh, carbon tax isn't just 
um, the isn't going to be the only solution to, car to climate change. It isn't just carbon tax. I mean, you, you, you mentioned earlier on about people waiting for the bus up in Glenville. Yeah. I mean, it isn't just that you, you, you increase the cost of doing something. What you'll have to do is you provide alternatives. But, of course, those alternatives have to be funded somewhere. So where are they going to be funded from? Well, it has to be funded from the taxpayer, right? So, you know, what I think we should be doing is investing in, you know, proper functioning public transport um, to, so those who can take that alternative choose that alternative, right? Because and it's there for them. Now that doesn't help, you know. That doesn't help, say, somebody who's driving in from a rural area, right? Uh, who's going to pay more in their petrol? Mm -hmm. But um, that's the cost of commuting, right? So I, I live in the city. I'm lucky enough to live in the city. Um, I can get the bus into town, or I, I can walk into town, right? Mm. Now, somebody who's in Cargilline, for example, or, or way out in Cargilline, can't do that. Mm. But guess what? My mortgage is higher. My cost of living is higher. The cost of my housing is higher in the city than, than those. So I've moved out. I've got a cheaper house out in these areas. But... You know, there's a cost. There has to be a cost then associated with getting that that cheaper cheaper house or mm. that cheaper living, and that is the cost of commuting in and out, the cost of sitting in in traffic, the cost of um, paying more in petrol. Mm. Those are, you know, there is no cost-free decision, right? And what we try, what we're trying to engineer with this carbon tax and with with changes for climate change, is trying to engineer a situation where we impose a cost on nobody and still try and change behaviour. Yeah. There has to be a cost imposed in order to change behaviour. And if, it, if there isn't a way of changing behaviour, so if, if it's just simply the case because we're all spread out so much that people have a higher cost, well, that's simply the cost of our spread out. That's simply the cost of our sprawl. Uh, and what it might do is it might change the balance between, well, living out in this r rural area is no longer paying me to live out here. I'm going to try and move in closer to the city. Um, and therefore you reduce your cost in commuting, but you have a higher cost of housing, but, but cost and you're substituting one cost for the other. Yeah. Now, yeah. This, I mean, this, is very simple. this is very easy, right, in, in economic terms to talk about this, but of course these are real people. This doesn't happen, like tomorrow people, everybody can suddenly move into the no, city. They can't. Tomorrow suddenly everybody can change. So that's why you have this tomorrow, gradual increase. Tomorrow, a lot of people can't even, they, they talk about living in the city or living in the suburbs or living in the, the country, they can't even find a room to, to, to no, live in anywhere. No, no, no. And, and this, is why, this is why I think the, the, the budget is cautious, but it, it's lacking in imagination. Uh, my, my own view is that we should, we, you know, we have these infrastructure problems, right? So we have housing, for example, we have transport, we have things that are, are hung over from lack of investment during the crisis. This is what we should be looking at doing. This is what we should be looking at investing in. Not in giving out, you know, a, co a couple of pence off the tax rate uh, by, you know, uh, increasing five euros in the pension. We should actually be looking at well, how do we fund, how do we change our health system so yep, it yep, works but, properly? But, but, but how do we fund that, our transport system so it works properly? These yep, are the, the areas that we haven't funded Nelly for just so long. say how many people will be taken into the higher rate of tax at ridiculously low levels? Well, actually, we have a very progressive tax system, and most people, um, for, for example, somebody on the average industrial wage or just below the average industrial wage doesn't get into the higher tax rate at all. The effective rate, of, I mean, it isn't the higher rate of tax that matters. That's not, that's not what's relevant for people. What's relevant for people is the effective rate of tax that they pay, right? So if we increase the top rate of tax up to 50%, that doesn't make anybody worse off unless they're on the higher rate of tax, right? It's, it's when you enter into the, tax, in, into the first tax band. And, that, and we actually um, have to earn quite a lot of money relative to uh, our other, other European countries before we enter into the higher, into the higher tax bands or even into, into paying any tax at all. Yeah. If anything, we, 
we have scope within the economy, I think, to increase taxes and increase income taxes because we are a low tax economy. Ah, no, we are a low on. tax income, low income tax economy. We're ah, very progressive, and it's very high levels of income before we get into the into the upper uh, tax. Sorry, band. no, but when I get my pay slip here at the end of the month, Declan, I yeah. would beg to differ very much. I get my pay slip too, PJ, and I it, it when I look at how much I pay in tax, it hurts me deeply as well. But do you know what? Um, if we compare ourselves to other countries, we are not a high tax. Well, compare high income tax to the economy. UK, you could earn considerably more before you go near the second. The Wages are lower there. Wages are lower there, and that you earn, you go into paying tax at a lower income. You go into pay the marginal rate of tax at a lower income rate. Mm. So we're we're not we are we are. I mean, I know out there, you know, who who likes paying taxes, right? But Ireland is a progressive tax. Uh, but, but on the other side, you know, you talked about guards. We're going to need more guards. Where do we get this from? We're this going to fund childcare. Where are going to get that from? You're, you're correct. You're, you're correct about that. You're, you're correct about that. So we it's need, hard to balance it out. Yeah, and and I my, my own preference would be for a more socially democratic model where we have higher, marginally higher rates of tax, and we use that money then to provide services mm-hmm. rather than providing tax breaks for childcare, rather than providing tax breaks for certain things. We actually directly provide them. Um, ourselves. We invest in education, preschool education, and primary level education. We we supposedly have a free education system in Ireland, but it isn't a free education <laughs> system laugh, in Ireland because yeah. there's the cost of uniforms, there's the cost of books, there's the cost of voluntary contributions. We, but if we were, did want a real free education system in Ireland, well, we have to pay for that, right. and we can't pay for that with a low tax economy. And I guess, look, you know, it, economics is hard maths, and and thank you. Uh, Declan, it is hard maths. If you want something, someone's got to pay for it. There's nothing for free. Now, let's look at that average family. Shelley, good morning to you. Good morning. Average family, uh, Defence Forces family, anything in there for you yesterday or will you you lose? Well, we were lucky enough, WPDF were lucky enough to have two members sit um, in the programme for prime time. And they were actually chosen to have what they would gain. Um, and how they would fare in the next few years. And sadly, they were down the family, an average family, they were down over 500 euros. Wow. How? We weren't. How? Because when it comes to the carbon tax, we have to travel to our barracks and bases. I heard Declan say, well, maybe it doesn't pay people to live out in the sticks that they would have to work their way closer. We can't afford, in, in any way, shape or form, being one of the lowest paid public sector workers, to live anywhere near our barracks and bases. So we have to go further afield, and then the government will close down the barracks and get us to commute up to 150 kilometres a day to another barracks. So when you put up the diesel, regardless of even if this family are on the working family payment, which a lot of Defence Force members are, it actually cancels out and we are in the negative. So when you hear about families struggling... I mean, across the country, we have members working, we have people in the country doing solid tax paying over 38, 40 hours a week and are absolutely struggling, struggling to put diesel in cars, struggling to put food on a table and keep a roof over a head. And you certainly don't expect when you hear somebody serving their country mm. to be in this position, but we are. So... People have mentioned the 10 million award by Paul's, by our Minister Paul Kyo, um last week um, to the Defence Forces who are struggling. Now, that equates to €1.50 
per NCO who served 30 years service. That's what it comes to. So what he will get out of that award will certainly go on diesel. Um, If we want to put it in comparison, the guards got a 10 million euro, a 10 million euro for overtime for the weekend work while Vice President Pence was here Mm. for one weekend. So, you know, we were given, um, I suppose for the want of a better word, a slush fund in the budget of just over 30 million. But when put in perspective, we have returned over 50 million in wages of men and women that have signed off and left that they have budgeted for. So we only got three-fifths back of what we've returned to the Exchequer. So I'm sad to say I do understand the budget has Mm. to be um, constricted to a degree because we don't know what's happening in the future. And I think everybody yesterday understood that. But to know that in the end of a couple of years, we're actually down considerable money. And that's not just the Defence Forces. That's every hard-working family who has to commute. It's not reasonable to say, we'll move closer to your work, because it's not feasible. Yeah, because the prices of everything will go up. It's just not feasible in any way, shape or form. People are now moving to where their families are, to where they have support, to where they can get free childcare, to try and make the wages stretch. Yeah, that's the reality of it. Shelley, thank you very much, said Shelley. Shelley Cotter. You know, look, you can talk about economics making sense and you can talk... And Declan's brilliant at what he does and he makes absolute sense, total sense, on paper. On paper. Paper never fed a child. That's the thing. You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96fm.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now 0833 96 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. If you're close to retirement, you're probably deciding what to do with that extra bit of time you'll have. But you've another important decision to make, how to draw down your pension. So no matter who your pension is with, ask your financial broker or advisor about retirement planning with Irish Life. A smart way to make the most of what you have and fully embrace your retirement. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Cork's 96FM weather with McCarthy Insurance Group. Whatever the weather, MIG.ie will keep you covered with branches throughout Munster. A mix of cloud and bright spells today. Showers also some thundery at times. Highs of 11 to 14 degrees. The current temperature is 9 degrees. You're now up to date on the station. You can take everywhere. Download our app at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Just to let you know if there is any development in the search for Frankie Devlin, which is continuing this morning down around Gary Vaux, Ballycotton, that general area. There's over 200 volunteers involved and many, many members of the emergency and the search and rescue services. If we hear the slightest bit of news from down there, we will let you know what it is. Frankie now missing since quarter to 11 on Saturday night. It must be a, a terrifying time 
for, for her family. I spoke with her daughter on the programme yesterday morning. Gardy, remind us again that she's five feet eight of slim build with blonde hair and brown eyes, last seen wearing a black dress, black top with a red and black jacket. They haven't been able to contact her on her phone because obviously it's gone it's gone flat now and her family are frantic with worry and there is literally not hide nor hair of her since quarter to 11 last Saturday night when she was seen outside the Gary Vaux Hotel. She was waiting, we believe, for a taxi or a lift and she just vanished into thin air. Anyone who could help in any way at all uh, is asked to call Middleton Guards 021 462 1550 or the Garda Confidential Line 1 800 666 111. They were also asking people over the last few days if by any chance you have a caravan in that neck of the woods which might be unoccupied, would you check it just in case you didn't rule nothing out in a situation like this? Can you imagine though being in a position like that? There was a photograph. Uh, on the echo of a man standing, looking out to sea, clearly part of the search party, looking out to sea. And you could just think, what would you do? How would you cope if your mother or your father or your brother or your sister went missing like that without a trace? We, we, if we do hear anything from East Cork, we will let you know what it is straight away. 1850-715-996. Text 83 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. We heard Declan, the economist, giving us the figures and giving us the facts. Economy is about maths. Maths and economy are about balancing the books. Balancing the books is all important. Brexit We've got to take cognizance of the fact that we don't know what's going to happen in November or in January. We don't know. So, yeah, absolutely, the minister has to be careful. Because if he wasn't, and and it, it all went arse over behind at the end of it, then we'd blame the minister anyway. We don't, then we're not disputing the economics of this. But... For the ordinary family, it's not been a great budget. I'm an old-age pensioner and widow. Worked all my life and have to manage to run the house and all the expense that goes with it. The car and my life on €250 a week, including the living alone allowance. Very difficult to manage, says Maureen. Listener in Carrigaline, I would beg to differ in cost versus city in Carrigaline. Petrol's dearer, drink is dearer, arguably houses are dearer and a lot more. Also, commercial rent is very high compared to footfall, forcing up costs. In a nutshell, we find Carrigaline particularly on par or more expensive with the city. Not sure if that's the case elsewhere. But when we go to Waterford, we find Dungarvan, a similarly sized town, far cheaper, along with Capaquin and Lismore. The caller says, please listen to the experts. They've studied the subject. We're heading for trouble on several areas. Take on board what they have to say. People shouldn't always be moaning and criticising the people who are trying to prevent trouble. And that's a great call and a very valid point. We, we need to take cognizance of what the experts are saying. Doesn't mean we have to like it, though. On WhatsApp, scrap all the TDs, ministers and everyone pensions. There'll be loads more money available. Uh, claiming that Declan doesn't understand the meaning of low tax. I would fundamentally disagree with Declan, by the way, on the, on, on the tax issue. Fundamentally disagree with him. I, I'm hammered every month by the taxman. And so are loads of people I know. Hammered. Who is that? He's talking about living out in the rural area. So does he want the whole lot of the rural population to move into the city now? How many homeless people would there be then? Public transport is non-existent in rural areas. There he is asking for a 10-cent rise in fuel. 
if there's a 10 cent increase in fuel, the public transport tickets will also go up. Forget that. Finn calls him a wind-up merchant. 1850-715-996. We can come back to your thoughts on the budget, if you like, throughout the morning. But here's something that I want you to sit back, give us a few minutes of your time, and listen. Um, Finbar, Anna and Gemma Walsh live in Middleton. Finbar, the, the family is Finbar, Deirdre, Gemma, Anna and Andrew. Finbar, Anna and Gemma all suffer from muscular dystrophy. The family home, where it is in Middleton, will soon be unfit for purpose as their condition worsens. They live in a regular home, in an estate. I've been to visit them. Now, Deirdre and Finbar have decided to sell their house and build a house that will be suitable for three adults with worsening mobility issues. Now, she has a plot of land. She's found a builder. Kieran McCarthy of Carry Tool based KMC Homes. Stay with me on this. Now, the house needs to be very specialised when they build it. It's going to cost considerably more to finish it out and fit it out than the family budget allows. So the Walsh family and their builder, Kieran McCarthy, have reached out to the opinion line to see if we might be able to help them with the project. It's interesting. I went to see it. It's something that's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. So we're not talking about something we can fix this week, this month, this side of Christmas. This is something that's going to take time. But as you'll hear, it's a family that we kind of want to get behind because they're just a lovely family and they've got, they've got a long, hard road ahead of them. So they want to ensure that the project can get finished and ready for the family. So to start off this little plan that we've decided to get behind, I went to visit them in Middleton. I met Deirdre, I met her son Andrew, and I've met the man who's agreed to help them, their builder, Kieran McCarthy. But first, Deirdre. Deirdre, thank you for having me into your home this evening. I- I'm delighted to meet you and your family. Muscular dystrophy is something that your husband and your daughters are, are living with. How long does Finbar have this condition and how does this affect the So Finbar would have been diagnosed roughly about 23 years ago mm. with myotonic muscular dystrophy. Um, it affects their, the tree, my, Finbar and my two girls, their muscles. Mm. Their mobility is affected. Mm-hmm. They have to put a lot of more energy into their muscles to work. So they get very fatigued very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, just are not as... My two girls wouldn't be on a par to any other 24, 25-year-old girl of their age. And it's mobility and it's progressive. It's it, progressive. it gets worse. Yeah, it's progressive. So it gets worse as they get older mm. and it gets worse as the generations go on. Yeah. So Finbar would have been quite active at 24 and 25 compared to my girls. No, they're not as active as what Finbar would have been at that age. Yes. And just general day-to-day things that they, normal people or ordinary people, other people take for granted. Yeah. They just find it difficult. Their hands would clasp around something and it would take a couple of seconds to release it, yeah. their muscles to relax. Yes. Um, and Finbar isn't as mobile as what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So, and I think from the nature of the condition, and uh, you were discussing this, that Finbar is prone to falling helplessly and breaking bones and dislocating things and 
just a lot of painful accidents purely because of the mobility issue. Yes, because um, he'd f- the smallest pebble on the footpath or the smallest slip he could trip over. Um, so he hasn't got the strength in his muscles and his legs, so he falls helplessly. He puts his hands out to save him, and which ends up in breakages, and he has suffered many a break over the years, mm-hmm. as in his kneecap, tourists at one time, um, his thumb, his toes, and these are only... Tom and toes might only sound small to somebody else, but they are just the the, the trauma that his body goes through from yes. the breakages. Basically, it's just another ongoing yes. thing to cope with, really. Yes. And we're sitting in, in your home now, and you've done many adaptations to it over the years to make it easier for Finbar and easier for your daughters. But where we're sitting now, in the short term, will no longer be suitable. No, um, the doorways aren't wide enough, the hall isn't wide enough. Um, Finbar will eventually end up in a wheelchair. Mm. Um, that's the bottom line. So apart from not being able to come in and out the back and front door, the hall is too narrow to bring him into the television room. Um, the stairs, there's going to be a hindrance because he'll be too weak to get into a stairlift to take him upstairs, to take him into his bedroom. And... It's all the house is is kind of friendly at the minute, but it'll actually will become unfriendly. You've had to come to. Is it a heartbreaking decision that you have to sell and and try to to build something new? Extremely. Um, we've been in this house for thirty three years. It's, it was our first house. Mm. We imagined it to be our only house. We've put our heart and soul into it. We've maintained it. We have done everything that we could to, to to make it homely and to make it nice and to make it comfortable. We've converted the garage, we put a downstairs toilet, um and it has come it has come to the to, to the stage that it just hasn't it's not going to work for us anymore. So I mean clearing it out and even looking through photographs of the children that were playing in the garden twenty years ago has been upsetting because we have great memories and we We've had a brilliant time here. We've had no hiccups. So it's... it's and and, and it, it'll be a fantastic home for someone to buy. Um, but you've got to go and effectively live on the flat now. Yes, yes. Um, and I suppose that's what keep... That is what is keeping us going for the safety and for the future. Because it, it will be more comfortable for Finbar to be able to go from his bedroom into his bathroom, into his kitchen without tripping over the saddle at the door. Mm. Um, and that might sound trivial to somebody, but that's the reality. That's it. The door saddle is enough to cause a serious yeah. fall. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and have no... It's just going to be comfortable. And because of my girls having the same condition, mm. it's... The way, I, uh, the way I'm looking at it is it'll be their home for the future as well. Mm. Do, do they live here with you they now? They live up there, yeah. yeah. We, there's this... We, there's four of us live... In the house, um, but when they will, when they will reach the time that they will need a house, I'm hoping that they, they won't have the difficulty that we have now. That my house or our house will be set up for them. That even if a partner came into play, that they could move into the house because mm. it'll be hard for them to move on the way we're moving mm. on now. Because there's not a house out there for us to buy that is suitable for us. Yes. It has to be built around 
their capabilities. It is tough that, like you say, 33 years. God, that's that's uh, that's a half a lifetime. Mm. And, and you wanted this always was to be your first home. Like you say, your, it would be your forever home. And I know it can't be. You've got to go and find another place. The plan, I think, Deirdre, is to... You have a little bit of land, is that right? Yeah, we are very fortunate to have a site in Middleton. So it's not too far away from where we are now. Mm. Um, and we can, we'll be able to hopefully build build a house that's suitable on that. Um, all our businesses is 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 in Middleton. The shops, the dock, my our GP is in Middleton. Um, so we're not moving further away. That basically all we ha- all we need to do is change house. We don't have to change anything else. Mm. Um, because we have the, as I said, the doctor, the dentist, everybody, everything mm. that we deal with is in Middleton. So we're lucky that way. Mm. But but doing that will involve selling, it, the, it your, will. Your, and and it, literally, it's going to cost every last penny you have, and then so. Yeah, yeah, it will. And again, because we need wheelchair access, we need a certain circumference for the wheelchairs to turn around. There's every possibility that we could have three wheelchairs in the one house at the same time. Um, so it, it it'll have to be very special, a very special house. So it's 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 not going to be just a three bedroom bungalow, yeah. as as I would love to be able to build. It's going to be it'll have, but from the space, from the ground size and everything, it'll just have to be. And that's why things are costing will cost so much. It, it has to be turnkey ready from day one for three adults with yeah. a worsening disability. Yeah. This is the truth. Yeah, yeah. and because. I, from my point of view, I'm a chronic asthmatic, so I cannot go into a building site. I cannot go into a house that's not floored or painted or dust-free because there's a possibility that I have been hospitalised before from asthma attacks. Right. So I have that problem as well. So it's it, it'll have to be turnkey, yes. ready to move in, basically, and go to bed that night. Yeah. And it's not going to be that easy because besides, like, we have to sell this house... Um, getting auctioneers and getting it valued and moving the furniture and storing it and having somewhere to live while the other house has been built we'll get there but it's just so daunting at the minute It, it does sound like a mammoth project yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You you were looking for a builder who might take the project on and that's where Kieran McCarthy comes in who I'll talk to in a minute you literally just picked up the phone was it your son gave you a name? Is that what happened? It was my son's bro- uh, my son's best friend, Will, um, gave me the name of um, KMC Homes, and it was the first call I made. And I just I told him what I needed. I didn't hold any punches. I just said I'd nothing to lose really. And um, as I was talking, Kieran said, "Yeah, yeah." Yeah, he agreed to everything that I was saying. Mm. And um, he rang me the next day. And every time he said he'd ring, he'd rang. Every time he said he'd text, he'd text. In the last eight to ten weeks that I've been in contact with him, um, I can't praise him enough just to have somebody that knows the building side of it, that I can trust, that I can put my confidence in, is definitely a weight off my shoulders mm. um, because obviously I don't know nothing about that side of the business yeah. are, are there times when you and Finbar are 
frightened by what lies ahead and the prospect of the the massive move and and the worsening health does it frighten you um it does i suppose i i i mean i'd always have it at the back of my mind i'm living with it we're living with it mm. i suppose it's easier for me it's a lot easier for me to talk because i'm not the person that's dealing dealing with the condition but at the same time i'm the person that's looking at them deteriorating yes that's so, tough as as a mom and as a wife that's that's got to be tough it's heartbreaking yeah that's all i can say yeah um but i'm just hoping that this will be this 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 will take the edge off it yes it won't make them any better or it won't improve things but it will definitely take the edge off things so that I I know like I don't have to be I won't if I want to go out in the morning I won't have to be there for Finbar to come down the stairs while I'm at home to make sure that he gets down safe enough mm. that I know that he, he'll just it'll, they'll be I just it'll can't be access, it'll be ready for yeah. him. These, yeah. these are things yeah. that we all take very much for granted mm. and I sincerely hope it does work out for you when we go through the various elements of it with, with Karen in a minute I'm going to bring Andrew in at this stage. Andrew, this move from the house in which you've grown up, how important is it for your mum and your dad and your sisters? Yeah, well, I suppose, like, like Mam was saying earlier on, like we've, we've done things to the house, um, kind of going back over the years, and I was actually said for a couple of months ago, she spent 30-odd years making the house what it is, and all of a sudden it's it's just, I suppose, not fit for purpose, mm. you know, Um like they've done adaptations and they've put in the bathroom and that, but it's all been reactive to dads and the girls' conditions. Um, and I think where this is stemming from, it's as much as it's needed kind of immediately as such, which obviously isn't possible. It's um, it's proactive going down the line that it'll be a fit for purpose for them that there won't be anything that has to be done to them or done for them to yeah. the house, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you worry about your dad? Oh yeah, de- definitely. Like like again, like what Mam was saying, like over the years there's been plenty of accidents, incidents through no fault of his own, I suppose, and mm. to the smallest little thing mm. that anyone else will, the majority of people will take for granted going down to the shop for milk or bread or whatever and he ends up having a trip on a on a lip or a curb and he ends up fracturing both hands or both wrists, you know. And he's a young man, he's just a little bit younger than me, like. Is it, this is, uh... Yeah, exactly, like, geez, he had to give up work, I mean, 10, 10 years ago or so, or there, there, thereabouts. Um, and, like, that's, for, for any fella, like, geez, that's only what I'll, the age I'll be in, probably, what, 12, 13 years. Mm. So, and for me to think about that, is hard enough like you know yeah this is a long project it's going to take time it's going to take a lot of effort it's going to take a lot of support yeah like like that my buddy's in the middle of building a house at the moment so that's where he that's where we got Kieran's name Kieran McCarthy from KMC Homes you got a phone call from Deirdre um, and when she began to tell you the story you immediately identified on a personal level how uh, yeah, so look, Deirdre rang me and she said that look, she was looking to build a home um, for for her for her family in their in their situation. Um, my mother um, was diagnosed with MS in her late thirties. 
she had just uh, set up her own practice. We were living in Middleton. Dad had built her surgery in, um, it converted her garage into a surgery. And sure, look, everything was great. And then she got diagnosed with MS. And two years later, when she was 40, um, she had to close the practice um, because she just wasn't able for it anymore. And um, we were, you know, times were tough. So so I suppose and mum is in a, in a wheelchair now. Mum is in her, you know, in, in her early 70s and she's um, she's in a wheelchair now. And um, I suppose, look, it's a similar situation to, um, to Deirdre and her family. So, you know, it brought it all back. It, it was relatable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You or company, you make specialist homes. You build one off. You specialise in one-off homes that yeah. KMC does. And this is a genuine one-off home. It has yeah. to be all on the flat. It has to be all accessible. It has to be probably bigger than the standard house. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the reason I got into house building and house design is because uh, I know what a great house can do for someone. I mean, even for an able-bodied family, a great house, well-designed, well-built, makes a huge difference to, to a family. Um, uh, with Deirdre's family, um, given their situation, it can make an even bigger difference. It can really give them freedom and uh, a great quality of life, which you know, which will make a huge difference. So, mm. so um, it, it, it's a big project. Um, it'll cost a lot of money. Um, but um, look, I'm, I'm delighted to help them and um, I suppose, um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see... About how long do you think it'll take? I suppose all in all, there's, you know, it'll take you know, the guts of a year and a half between designing it, getting planning permission, building it, finishing it all out and sign, seal, delivered and all that. And I suppose, like, when we hand over a home, it's, it's fully finished, it's fully painted, tiled, floored, um, patios and all that, and... Um, and, and cleaned and everything so it's it's in fully turnkey condition that just, just takes time which, which as Deirdre said is going to be of vital importance for her own health and as well as everybody else around it now budget wise they're going to be selling here and as she explained to me literally every penny they have will go into this uh, unfortunately it mightn't match the cost and that's uh, down the line that's going to be an issue yeah, I mean, look, building work just gets more expensive by the day, as we all know. And I suppose the way we build houses, we build very good, high-quality homes, um, which is the kind of home Deirdre's going to need um, and her family. So we, we want to do it right, and we want to do it turnkey and, and finish to the highest um, highest detail and have everything done and ready for her, her family to move in. Um, so I suppose we, we can take it so far, um, but I suppose there will be a gap to be to be bridged. And how far can you take it with... The resources that are there and with the the labouring and the skill set that you have to hand how far can you take it well we're certainly going to be able to take it as far as a, as a builder is finished it, like the, the shell will be will be there and all the heating systems and all that but i suppose look where we'll probably come a bit um unstuck is looking for the kind of the finish aspect of the building like tiles floors kitchens or whatever you um, like we'll be putting the shoulder to the wheel we've been all we've already been on to some of our key suppliers to to, to help us out um, so we, we have plenty of major suppliers on board, but it's just getting to the, the last the last hurdle um, of getting all the finishes done um, is where we we might be looking for a bit of help, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe kind of finished products like maybe, you know, it could be tiles, it could be timber floors, it could be someone who has tiles and a tiler, maybe a tile shop will give the whole package. 
Um, you know, it could be it could be bathroom wear, it could be you know paving, it could mm. you know it, all these it could be mm. fencing or what have you. So yeah. and, and you you you'll supply the labour, I guess. Is that it? Yeah, depending on sometimes yeah. um, the it might be just a a, a, a few boxes of tiles that'll do two bathrooms. Someone might have a, a tile shop might have a tiler and tiles, and the yeah. whole package arrives. Mm. It look it, it'll be a case by case basis, and really you know how how it fits into the the schedule and all that. I'd love to talk to you guys again along the road, where you are. I think it's a, it's a story that people will resonate with because here they are in what they thought was their forever home and now they've got to close the door, sell up, turn their back on it and place their trust in you to, to build them a new forever home. Does that rest easy on your shoulders? Um, it is a big responsibility, but like I suppose I know what 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 transformations we've had on families before. It always made, it's a great new fresh start, and um, you know I'm looking forward to to bring that fresh start to to, to dear journey. So we're at the start of a very long road, but if there's anybody listening to us now that might have an idea for how they could help out down the road, who can they contact? Um, they can contact our office, uh, KMC Homes in Carrick Tool. Um, Gillian will be uh, taking the call. Well, we will check in again with everybody here. Thanks so much for having us inside your, your home. And I can't wait. In fact, I look forward to seeing the new one down the road. Thank you very much. That's uh, Kieran McCarthy. And, of course, we heard earlier from Deirdre Walsh and her son, Andrew. Um, we decided to follow this one uh, from start to finish, however long it takes. And if anybody can help, contact us. Actually, contact Deirdre, or sorry, contact Kieran at KMC if you wish. But you can also contact us. Just send us a quick email, opinion at 96fm.ie, and just mark it. We've started a hashtag on our Twitter, a house for the Walshes. So if you think you can help in any way, coming towards the end of a project, if you're a, a tiler or a painter or a carpet fitter or any kind of a supplier like that, anyone involved in finishing out houses, get us. Get on to us at opinion at 96fm.ie and see if we can't deliver a forever home for a family with three people, three people with a progressive debilitating illness. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96fm. We are having a response already to the Walshes. We've started a hashtag on our Twitter, a house for the Walshes, on uh, at Opinion Line 96. And straight away, we've had some people coming forward. Adrian, thank you. Adrian Kenny here, just listening to PJ about getting help for building uh, for Deirdre and KMC. I have a small plastering company. I'd be more than willing to help out if any plastering work is needed. Thank you, Adrian. What we're going to do is build a file we're going to build up a file here at the radio station and liaise with KMC building going forward to see what they need, when they need, and if we can get it for them. So uh, we're just going to work on that over the next period of time. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696, and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. There's a breaking story. I know this is an anonymous call, breaking story about Vesper. I just want to have a read of it there for a minute or two and come back to it. But I want to return to the budget. <clears throat> and will I? Okay, thanks, Dee. Go to Besborough first. All right. Um, this has come in to us on the telephone. A hundred staff in Besborough got their notice yesterday. Social workers, etc. The nuns are closing it. Everyone got their notice to leave. 
before the report is published in February. Two nuns came over from England. They're pulling out before the report comes out. Now, is this all the services that presently run out of Besborough? Because there's a lot of services that you mightn't even know about that operate out of Besborough on an ongoing basis. Everything is gone. Everything is closing. By all accounts, the nuns have told them, shut the place down. Social workers and other caring staff who do, in many different areas, great work down there now. Closing. We're contacting them now to see can we confirm that. But if any listeners know any more, give us a shout at 1850-715-996. The gaffer down there is a man called Thomas Quigley who helps every year with the commemoration project that I'm involved in. So he might be able to tell us something. But that's that's a bit of of a showstopper, if it's true. If anybody knows any more about it, give us a call, 1850-715-996. Let us go to uh, Fianna Fáil finance spokesman Michael McGrath to talk about uh, the budget. Before I do, Michael, and I don't know whether you can comment on, on that, but if it's true, the loss of those services out of Besbury and the loss of the jobs, that would be a huge blow to many people. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Um, it, it certainly would be. That's the first I, I have heard of it, so I hope it's not true. Um, but obviously it's something we need to look into and um, our thoughts with the, the workers uh, first and foremost and then, of course, those who benefit from the services provided there. So, um, yeah, that's that, that's a shock to me uh, and it's something I'll, I'll certainly look into straight away. Okay, we'll, work, we'll work on it as well from, from, yeah. from this end. Yeah, staff member just telling us there was a meeting last night. They're being okay. told all services are shutting down. That, that's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Michael, let's talk budget for a minute. We understand that the Minister has to be prudent and careful because no matter how... He can look at his books and say, well, the books are grand and everything is okay and I can plan for 2020. But I can't really because I don't not know what's going to happen an hour's flight away. So I have to be really, really careful. But that doesn't help the family who, according to some analysis this morning, the ordinary family, who won't gain anything, that's fine, but will actually lose out marginally because of the cost of living. Yeah, look, I, I take that point, PJ, and there is inflation, and um, I heard some of your discussion earlier on, and it is, of course, true that, you know, somebody's income is rising, and if you don't make any changes to the tax system, then they may well creep into the higher rate of tax or pay more of their income at the higher rate of tax, and we do enter the higher rate of tax at, at quite a low level in, in Ireland at uh, in the region of €35,000. Um, so that is true, and the welfare changes here in the budget... Uh, are modest uh, and they are targeted from our perspective in Fianna Fáil as an opposition party that is um, underpinning uh, the confidence and supply agreement. Really, the only reason that there is still an agreement and there is a minority government still is because of of Brexit and from our perspective the overriding requirement really was to provide stability we're all watching the news, we see what's going on in Westminster, the shenanigans there and I think in contrast here our politics are relatively stable and I think Michal Martin made the right call last December uh, in deciding that there should not be a general election in 2019. At that time we were looking at a potential crash out Brexit in March, that got deferred 
3rd to October. Mm. We're now just three weeks away and, you know, the signs are not good. Well, and, it, and hopefully, it, hopefully Michael, there will be an extension yeah. and we'll all live to fight another day on that issue. I was going to get to that. Sorry. Yeah, sorry yeah. you. Like, it does look fairly inevitable, really, and I don't want to get too political for a second, but given the, the, the famous Ben Act... Boris really has no choice if he hasn't cut a deal. He's got no choice but to hold out for another few months. It looks that way, and thank God for that, Ben Act, because otherwise, you know, the, the signs are he would try to push through uh, a no-deal Brexit, and that would be devastating for Ireland. And, you know, it would cost jobs right throughout this country, tens of thousands of jobs, uh, including in Cork, and there are many small indigenous firms in Cork that are really dependent on trade with the UK. And then you take in the whole agri-food area, you look at co-ops like Dairy Gold, like Carberry and other co-ops in West Cork and throughout our, con- our county, mm-hmm they would all be really affected in the event of a no-deal Brexit because it would mean taxes being imposed on the exports of of goods from Ireland to the UK and indeed on the import of goods from the UK, which would push up consumer prices uh, and cause enormous difficulties Mm. in the economy. So, like, what is at stake here is enormous, and that is why we took the view that there was a need in Ireland to ensure there is some political stability. We will have a general election in the next few months, but we just need to get over... this potentially enormous hurdle like, uh, and hopefully we'll have some clarity pretty soon. You've taken your share of criticism have Fianna Fáil for, for sticking in there for confidence and supply no matter how bad housing got and no matter how bad poverty got and all that. You've taken your, your fair share of criticism for it. Who knows what will happen when it comes to a general election. Yeah, It was supposed to be three budgets, then you gave it a fourth. Given that Brexit will probably be put off again, and I was only listening to one commentator last night say, hang on, it could easily be six months because three months might make no difference. Like You can't hold on forever. Is this definitely the last budget you'll support? Absolutely, yeah, it is. I mean, look, there will be a general election um, in the first half of, of next year. Um, that is certain, and people should not uh, view our, our continuing uh, facilitation of the government as such by abstaining on a budget uh, and confuse that with um, supporting or endorsing the government. We do not endorse the government or the budget in its entirety. We're doing this for a very specific reason because it is our view that it is in the national interest right now not to have a general election, Mm. to make sure we have a government in place while all of this is playing out, to make sure we're represented um, at the negotiating table as such but that should not be confused uh, with Fianna Fáil supporting the government because we don't and we are frustrated, deeply frustrated yeah. at their lack of delivery uh, in key areas in health and housing. And if I can just pick up on one of the issues raised earlier on, PJ, about, about Garda numbers, and that was a priority for us going into these budget yeah. talks. Less than last um, year. Yeah, so look, at 700. What we were told in the talks was uh, that that would, would represent a net increase of 400 when you take account of retirements. But, you know, the, what the really... The big story here for Cork is is that we're not getting our fair share of Gardaí. I've just emailed on to, to Deirdre there uh, the stats I have got from the Minister for Justice. And basically, since 2015, about 2,800 recruits have come out of Templemore, newly yeah. qualified Gardaí, and the Cork Garda division, which includes the Anglesey Street, Gronabraher, Mayfield, Toker District, so city and surrounding areas, has got 69 Gardaí yeah. out of 2,800. It's That's a minuscule about, percentage. Yeah, so, and when you take account of retirements that have happened since that time, we're not getting our fair share. And even when it comes to Garda vehicles, I've been looking at those numbers as well. In 2016, there were 144 Garda vehicles in the Cork City division. That has fallen to 121. 
one. So a drop of 23 vehicles, cars, vans, etc., as well as getting a paltry allocation of new Gardaí. So like that's the real story here, mm. and the government has failed to deliver on, on no. adequate Garda resources in Cork, and that's something we need to fix. No, here you are telling me how desperate this is and, and how yeah. you don't support the move and yet explain for the, the, the mother and father of, of 2.4 children with a dog, a mortgage and a rusty old car in the driveway. Explain for them, please why you have continued to let budgets pass that make their life harder why? Well, look, I mean, you have to trace all of this back to the last election, PJ. In 2016, it was an inconclusive result. Nobody won it as such. Fine Gael emerged as the largest party. We tried to form a government uh, led by Fianna Fáil. We put Michal Martin forward on three occasions in the Dáil. Uh, yeah, we know all that. Pe- yeah, I know, but like that, that, that's where all of this stems from. Uh, we failed well, to get well, support. Well, uh, and hold on. At any one time in the last couple of years, Michael, and particularly heading into this year, and I get it, though, I get the whole Brexit thing, but Brexit Brexit, Brexit doesn't doesn't put food on a child's table. Yeah, yeah. You know, talking about no, Brexit that. doesn't put food on the table. Doesn't put school books in in, in a sack for a child. I get that, totally, um, but that doesn't mean that it's not a reality, PJ, and it is a reality, and the consequences would be very real if it actually happened. Um, but what we agreed to do was facilitate three budgets, yeah. but under certain conditions, uh, that we would bring about a change in government policy, um, that we would uh, prioritise investment in public services. We have brought about a change. The fourth budget uh, was an extra budget, really, and it was only uh, because of Brexit. But even within the fourth budget, if you look at the issues that we really sought progress on and I know you have an interest in the whole special needs area mm-hmm. as I do myself and I would have really pushed that issue in our talks and we did get some further progress on that uh, the appointment of about 1400 extra staff in the area of special education we pointed out uh, to government the need for extra places uh, the extra special classes extra uh, ASD units in particular and the government is committed to doing that we need delivery of it so that's a key issue for us and also we did get extra funding for the appointment of more therapists mm. to deal with earlier assessments and the provision of inter- well, intervention therapy. Work. Well, yeah, like we, we got the announcement last year too, but it wasn't delivered. And that is the frustration we have across a range of areas. Last year, they committed to appointing 100 extra therapists. You'd say not very much, but it might make some difference. They appointed eight. Eight out of a hundred. See, this is the thing, Michael. This, so this is, is the frustration we have. This is why people get very frustrated with you guys as well. Because you, you, you said to them, okay, we'll support it. We'll support yeah. it. If you do this, then they haven't done it, but you continue to support it. Do you understand me? I do. I, I totally understand that, and I hear it every day, PJ. Um, but I don't think that we would be thanked and I don't think it would have been the right thing to do uh, to thrust uh, the country into a general election okay. and, and to leave us without a government while that other issue uh, is playing out in the background. We did insist on getting extra home care supports. Uh, we did get uh, one million extra hours. I hope they're delivered and they make a real difference. And there is an is- increase in the budget for respite care yes. and residential places, which is another area uh, of real crisis, as well as uh, the funding uh, for the treatment purchase fund to tackle waiting lists because it seems to me that the real crisis in health is one of access. Yeah. The one thing that is working uh, is the uh, efforts we have uh, secured through the 
treatment purchase fund to tackle inpatient and day case procedures. That's the only waiting list that's coming down in health. Okay. Every, every other one is actually rising. So, you know, with the influence we have had, we have tried to use it in a positive way. Uh, we were keen to see the help to buy scheme continued. Um, it is being extended. There's a modest improvement in, in the tax um, system for home carers, for the self-employed. But look, in the round, you know, we want to see a general election. It will happen in the coming months. Right. And we will be putting forward the case for a change of government. And from our perspective, a government that is much more in tune with the needs of okay. people that, so, will, that will ensure that money is properly managed. One of the points I made yesterday, PJ, was in the last five years, this government got a bonanza of corporation tax receipts, about 15 yes, billion indeed. that was not expected. Okay. Not one euro of it has been put away no. for the rainy day. Finally, just and come back, you'll probably laugh at me for asking this again. So therefore, what you're saying to me today is Brexit or no Brexit, three months, six months, or the 1st of November, that's it, you're done. Yeah, general election is coming. Uh, we have kept our word. I think there is value in politics, in acting honourably. Uh, we believe we have put the country first. Um, we have done our stint. We have facilitated the government from opposition. It has been incredibly difficult, BJ. Uh, very frustrating to watch things that you know could be done better. Uh, but it's coming to an end. There will be a general election and we'll be putting forward our case to the people uh, to uh, hopefully lead the next government. And we have, and we shouldn't and forget How this. do you think people will treat you? Do you think you'll be punished for the support? Are you nervous about being punished for the support? Um, well, look, you're always nervous going into a general election because there's so much at stake, you know, not least for yourself personally, but for the party, for the country. Um, I would always be nervous going into a general election, but I think in the round, um, people generally feel that we we have done the right thing. I think they know why we have done it, even though they might have been frustrated with us at times. But, you know, we are on the ground. We have a lot of direct contact with people, so we, we have a fair idea what people are saying because they say it was directly as well as on your radio show and others um, so we do get the feedback but we've got a great opportunity in Cork um, PJ going into the next election well, well, we have the opportunity of a Cork Taoiseach well, and well, uh, well, we didn't we'll have one since the 1970s we'll, so. we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how that one pans out Michael, thank you very much Michael McGrath in, uh, Finance Spokesman uh, of Fianna Fáil, Mick Barry TD says look Michael McGrath says Fianna Fáil don't support this budget in its entirety then why are they voting for it in its entirety does he take us for fools well they're not voting for it Michael or Mick they're voting they're not voting at all they're going to abstain that's the deal but a lot of people would agree with you 18, abstaining is the same as voting for the budget says a call 1850-715-996 you're listening to highlights from the opinion line on Cork's 96FM To hear the full show, download the podcast from iTunes or see 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. 1850-715-996, text 083-396-9696 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie. Still taking some of your comments on the budget and we will come back to them and whether you think Fianna Fáil were right to just let it go through for the sake of Brexit. Do we need to be as careful as they're telling us about Brexit or could we have just gone on regardless? I'd like to have your comments on that. Also, returning to the Joker movie. Uh, We talked about it briefly yesterday. It's, by all accounts, a very fine film, 
but it's controversial on a number of different levels. And we're coming back to that. If you've seen it, I'd like to hear from you at 1850-715-996. But here's the story that we broke on the opinion line in the last half an hour. We now have it confirmed. Uh, the Besborough nuns have announced that they are selling off all of the land and they have told staff at the family services located on the Besborough campus that they must vacate the facilities within three months. The Besborough estate is in the final process of being sold and the nuns who now have their headquarters in the UK and who ran the infamous mother and baby home are now due to make 12 million in the sale. But they've told the various services there that they have three months to vacate the premises. Now, some of the various services down there include residential units for parents and children in need of them, uh, supervised access services, there's a family support service down there, second chance education facilities, there's a preschool, there's a community crest, there's a whole lot more. There's about 100 staff working down there full time. In fact, for 20 years now, They've been providing all sorts of social inclusion supports for vulnerable families. It's also become renowned. And look, when you look at the dark history, the very dark history of Besborough and the terrible things that we know went on down there, in recent years it had developed a reputation, a well-deserved reputation, as a centre of excellence for working with families in need and families in trouble. But three months the various services have been told they now have to effectively get off the premises. We're, we're, we're seeking to get more information, but that's all we have. Shocked with this news, says a caller. Shocked with this news. The services they provide, the loss of the jobs, those people do an amazing service. What about the children that will be affected by this? The nuns still don't care. Patrick says, what about the angels plot? Will people still be able to visit it and who will maintain it? That will be a whole thing, Patrick Thank you for that. We'll come back to it. But yesterday morning we mentioned the Joker. The Joker is hitting the headlines for many reasons. So we want to talk about it for a little while. Here's a, just a clip of the trailer. My mother always tells me to smile and put on a happy face. She told me I had a purpose. To bring laughter and joy to the world. Now, the Joker is the story of one of the Batman villains. Darren Johnson has has seen it, Darren, and you say it's probably one of the best films you've seen all year. It is hands down the best film I've seen this year, PJ. Right. I, uh, myself and my girlfriend go to the cinema at least three or four times a month. Uh, so we've seen absolutely everything that has come out this right. year so far, worth noting. And this is above and beyond anything I've seen at all this year. And people are saying that already Joaquin Phoenix will take some beating when it comes to Oscar time. It would take a seriously fantastic film between now and the start of next year to beat him to the punch for the the Oscar for Best Actor. Honestly, he is incredible in it. So tell me what it's about and why is it controversial? Well, in summary, um, the main character, uh, as you know, is Arthur Fleck. He is a man suffering from mental health issues. It's never made abundantly clear what those issues are exactly, but we're told that he spent some time in a mental health institution. He definitely suffers from anxiety 
anxiety and depression. He still attends counselling and he suffers from a compulsive disorder uh, which sees him laughing uncontrollably whenever he's stressed. So he's faced with disinterest, with cruelty, with apathy from the people in his life for most of the film and a series of unfortunate events, I suppose I could say, leads him down a very dark path which changes him and the city he lives, he lives in forever. He, he discovers, does he not, and like we don't want to do too many spoilers, but he discovers, does he not, that as well as these issues and these difficulties that he suffers from that no one seems to care about, his entire life as he knew it, is a lie. That's right. Again, a series of events lead him to revelations that call into question his very existence, that call into question the narrative which he was raised on, um, and it, it provides a very interesting story um, about one man's descent into mental unwellness. Mm. It's not a superhero movie. Definitely this is, not. This isn't a Batman film. This, uh, if, if you're going to the cinema expecting a superhero movie, you are going to be disappointed in that sense, but you will leave very happy with this film, I think, because it is a fantastic piece of drama. Mm. Um, it's not a bing, bang, boom action film. It's not huge explosions, but... Mm. Is it very it, violent? It, I wouldn't say very violent, PJ. There are maybe three or four points throughout the two-hour film that I would consider violent. Um, and the violence that is there is shot in a very direct, matter-of-fact manner mm. um, rather than your kind of Tarantino-style uh, gore-fest. It's very mm. uh, necessary to drive the plot forward. Yeah. What I would say is it's disturbing in the sense that Joaquin Phoenix portrays a man with uh, struggling with mental health mm. issues to a very uncomfortable level. You know, as someone... I, I had a chat with my girlfriend after we came out of the cinema and she said for her that was the most disturbing part of the film was seeing this man who had a compulsive disorder that he, he couldn't stop himself from laughing but he wanted to and you could very much see that pain on his face. Mm. Um, and again, uh, Joaquin Phoenix did an amazing job of portraying that. Yeah, there, there have been warnings now in the US that it could provoke all people to shoot take up weapons? Again, I can't understand this, PJ. I've seen this knocking around online. There, There is some, I suppose, use of guns in the film, but very sparingly at that. And yeah. I, I suppose, I, I can't understand mm. why that would be the case. I suppose, look, we're going back to unfor that unfortunate incident around the uh, release of The Dark Knight, the previous Batman yeah. film, where there was a shooting in the cinema. Mm. I know that police had been mobilised, to yeah. cinemas and surrounding areas yeah. to watch out for shooters. Yeah. Um, no, no disrespect, but the Yanks are a bit mad anyway. That way, <sighs> they, they, they tend to take things way too seriously. So it's not an action movie. No. It's not a superhero movie. It's not a Batman movie. It, it, but it is a, a, a very, a very good one. There's one particularly controversial moment: is the use of a Gary Glitter song. Mm. Now, you said to me off air, there's a hundred other songs they could have used. Yeah, I think the use of the Gary Glitter song in this soundtrack that was an unwise move, in my opinion. Um, a lot of controversy online about that one. Uh, maybe it was chosen for its controversial nature, though, PJ. I know it's kind of cynical to say, but controversy sells. It uh, gets people talking. I mean, you and I are talking about yes. it now this morning. Yes. Um, at the same time, people still play R. Kelly songs. He's a man who's facing 18 federal charges, yes. including child pornography and kidnapping. So, yes. I mean, yes. look, back to the, the point. The difference is Glitter he, was convicted. Exactly. People still say, play Michael Jackson, Glitter was actually convicted. Actually convicted, and, convicted, and I take that point. Will he make money out of this? 
You know, I don't know because I, I, I was reading up on this online the other day. I could only find, uh, there was an article that said there had been a fund set up for the victims of Gary Glitter and that it would be going towards that. But I can't find that corroborated by any other article. Mm. Can't find the source. Um, I, I do know that Gary Glitter was not the sole author of the song. Yeah. Uh, I know that he had a co-writer in, in writing Most this song. Most of them song. did back in those um, days. So yeah. it, it, it's my understanding that he might make some money from it, but... I don't think he's going to be making all the money from it. All right, Darren. Thanks very much for coming in. Just to paint, paint the picture of what the Joker actually is. Anne wanted to talk to us about it. And we spoke months ago now, several months ago now, about, about, about I suppose, parentage and, and discovering that what you believed about yourself wasn't actually true. And that's the, the context in which you're back with me. And good morning. Good morning. We spoke about you discovering in later life that you were actually donor-conceived. And... There's a thread running through this particular film that part of what contributes to the Joker's madness is he discovers his entire life was a lie. Yes, that's right. I was just listening to the last caller there and, um, yeah, it really struck me watching it as well. It's funny and um, I, I'm still searching for my biological father uh, being donor-conceived uh, with an anonymous donor. Um, but this is a theme that runs through a lot of really popular films, actually. I mean, it's... It's Game of Thrones, it's Star Wars, it's this too, the, uh, this idea of the importance of the, ident- the name of the father, really. Mm. Knowing who you are. Mm. Yeah. So um, my background is in um, psychoanalytic theory and uh, um, Jack Lacan. And uh, so he writes some really interesting things about this. Uh, he called the, the name of the father uh, the what he called the fundamental signifier, um, which for him was associated with uh, law and the figure of the law and actually fitting in, in society. So I think that ties really quite interestingly into into the film as well, this idea of the, the law then and society as coming to represent um, you know, all that anger that he feels towards this this why, yeah. you know, and, and this not knowing, yeah. Mm. And um, then, of course, he, you know, acts that out in a very violent way. But, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think it's unfair to portray someone who, whose life isn't what they thought it was as violent? As potentially uh, violent? Violent. Oh, gosh, that's, that's a good question. I think... I think the society that we live in, and this is another theme that runs through the film... You know, we live we live in a world that doesn't like to acknowledge trauma and doesn't like to acknowledge really mental illness either. It's a Darwinian, um, it's a Darwinian system. Uh, so, you know, we're only we're only allowed to express a certain degree of emotions in a way that that's prescribed for us through, uh, for example, soap operas or whatever. There's a, what's considered a normal range of experience. Um, but for people who've experienced trauma. Or uh, even this realizing that you know the narrative that you've been told to your life is untrue about your identity. Uh, there are such complex emotions that come with that, and there is real anger and real pain that we don't, as a society, really have great outlets for that. Because yeah, I think some people might be—I would imagine some people might be upset by the prospect. Well. 
you know, they might have discovered through either adoption or in your own case, discovering they'd been done or conceived or whatever, discovering that some element of their of their life was not as they thought, that they didn't turn into a murdering lunatic. And to portray people like that as turning into a murdering lunatic is unfair. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, clearly there are mental health issues as well here. And, you know, I'm not a murdering lunatic either. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, but at the same time, what I find watching it was I could, I could recognise his distress. I see. I, I think see. that's that thing. And that's not, um, <laughs> obviously not validating uh, becoming a psychopath. But I mean, um, Jacques Lacan did link um, social pathology and um, uh, psychopaths with, uh, with, with, with this idea of um, not having the name of the father, not having um, the father up there. So, um, you know, obviously not saying there's a correlation between... Yeah, no, but, but certainly you know, it's, it's, this is um, one of the reasons why people, I guess, are, are doing what the makers wanted us to do, which is, which is talk about the film. And it's not the best uh, telephone line in the world, but thanks ever so much, Anne Crossy. Uh, have you seen The Joker? I'm going to try and see it uh, ASAP, as they say. Jane says, my teenagers saw it the weekend. I'm yet to see it. It appears to be a very thought-provoking piece of work as they keep talking about it. Marguerite, horrific? I don't think so. It's gritty. It centres around the Joker's mental health. One of the murder scenes is a bit gruesome, but no more than a lot of movies teenagers actually enjoy. Joaquin Phoenix is phenomenal in his portrayal of the Joker. The only negative is the use of the Gary Glitter track. Well, as Darren said, Marguerite, uh, just reviewing it for us, they could probably have used a hundred other songs. Uh, Mike says, Gary Glitter, the paedophile, is set to make a fortune from this movie, so I recommend avoiding it, go to see something else. Well, he probably won't make a fortune out of it, Mike. Um, he'll make something, but he won't make a fortune. Uh, Mona, it's a bit highbrow on the dystopian disaster that America currently is. It's not bloody, it's not horrific. My teenagers were kind of bored because there wasn't any real action in it, but still... Everybody should, should see it. A decent comic book movie, comic book movie for grown-ups, is what somebody else says. Uh, Claire says, I saw the Joker movie. Difficult to watch at times. Quite violent, but more uncomfortable than anything. Overall, though, it was a great movie. Don't expect to leave it happy. John says, the violence in the new Charlie's Angels compared to the original TV show just feeds into the frenzy on the streets. Okay. And... Frank wants to know, will Gary Glitter be entitled to royalties? Little, little of them, because he didn't write the song. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, just following on the story that broke here on the opinion line just after half past ten, which we've now confirmed that the services currently housed in the Besborough Centre in Black Rock are to close. The nuns who own the centre and own the convent are selling and have given three months to the services to pull out. It's a 40-acre estate. It accommodates all sorts of family services. I read through a brief list there earlier on. There's more besides. There's a creche and there's a preschool and a family support service and supervised access for families and a residential living area for parents and children. There's many other services down there. They've been given three months to get out by the nuns. The nuns are selling and giving them three months 
to get out um, and and about 100 staff involved. Uh, so, as I said, we're following that one. Vespera, uh, yeah, please don't mention my name on the air. I'm employed there. The sisters are not giving us any answers. They are leaving us to fend for ourselves. We're doing our best to contact uh, someone in management down there to see what more we can add to this before the end of the show, if we can at all. 1850 There's a play on at the moment in Father Matthew Hall, and I'm delighted to see Father Matthew Hall back uh, in, in use as a place for, for plays. I haven't had an opportunity to get to this yet, and unfortunately I probably won't now, seeing as it finishes up at the weekend, but it's Dockers. Uh, it's really getting fabulous reviews. Uh, and Liam, have you been to see it? Good morning to you. Oh. Oh yes, yes, Nathan P. I've been there. Uh, I've been there opening night. It's fabulous show altogether. Yes, and uh, the best thing about it is that there are actually two ex-doctors who are bloody acting in the play. You know, well they've been actors all their life, so but <laughs> it made no odds. So they were only just going from one extreme to the other. Yeah, yeah. When were you a doctor? Oh, I was a doctor from I was a doctor from an early age, uh, around fifteen, sixteen. That way, and then uh, I, I went to the army for some years, and when I came out of the army, I went back down to docks. Mm. And um, you know, it was maybe thirty odd years, maybe down there. Um, you know, it was it was a way of life, and there was you know, dockers are part and parcel of cock. Yeah, you know, a lot of people mightn't. There were people who wouldn't remember the days of, of the Dockers. For, for for younger listeners who are wondering, what was a Docker? Was he just a fellow who who? What did he do? Like, well, what he did was you would you would present yourself in the morning for work, and there would be a choice of work. You would either be digging coal, you would buy the loading milk powder, you would be unloading cargo, you might be pulling a truck in the steam packet, which was across where Ian Spallan used to stay from. Or you could be unloading fertilizer, but all this was done with a bucket and a shovel. Mm. So it's hard, heavy physical graft. Well, yes, yes, it was. And uh, the hours at that time, you would start in the morning at 8 o'clock and you'd go, go through the dinner and, and you'd go back and you'd work till 10 o'clock. Mm. And uh, more likely, you would probably work until Friday, 10 o'clock every night, and you'd finish up Saturday morning, maybe half past 12, and mm. then get paid for your week's work. Because you, you had to work in accordance with the with the cargo that was coming in and out, isn't that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, it's very important. If you were digging coal, you could have a bloody good pair of boots on you, and or if you were digging brimstone, you had to bloody cover your eyes because of the burning stuff. But the thing about it, uh, PJ, was that there was never any any overall grinding presented to us in the early days of the doctors down there. You know, it's only later stages around the 70s and maybe 80s that they, they got overalls and glasses and things, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. like, nobody, I suppose, earned a huge amount in those days, but relatively speaking, was it well-paid work, Liam? Well, it depended on the type of work and the type of cargo you were on. If you were working on a banana boat, you might get 100 euros for the day. Whereas wow. the employer would, whereas the employer would get maybe fifty pence for every box that was unloaded, and you know, your normal daily pay would be maybe around one hundred and twenty euros or maybe one hundred and twenty quid. Like it depended on the cargo. Mm. It, it was good. It, on, it was good money if you could stick it to was the, good the work. Mo- of course, it was good money if you were listed. Yeah. If you were listed, if you were one of the top guys in the in the house, you had the picking of the jobs. And you get the best job, as simple as that, you yeah, know? Yeah. About how many fellas were working as dockers at the height of it? Well, at one stage, PJ, there was over 500 dockers would be presenting themselves in the morning. Wow. And there used to be three hiring stands. There would be one by 
by where the car, the, the the hotel is there now at the moment, and the the, the grill place is there on the, on, Penol, on the quay. And then you had across the water where the Innisfallen used to come in. You had uh, another hiring stand there, so there was stories and. And there was main port, and there was cast. There were so many stevedores down yeah, there, you yeah. know. And they were the ones that did, did the hiring. So, yeah. as someone who worked down there, uh, I'm hearing a lot of people raving about this play and how happy they are with it. Are you on, among them? Well, yes, I think the play is very good. But my 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 situation, but the reason that I'm speaking to you this morning, yes. PJ, is that that with all the building and everything else that's going on in the docks at the moment, there are no dockers there now. Yes. And what I'd be worried about is that. They will be forgotten about. There was nothing to replicate, or maybe tell people. Oh, there was dockers worked there, and there's a statue to dockers in Dublin, and there's a sculpture to dockers in Limerick. But we don't have nothing. We haven't even got a plaque. Yeah. You yeah. know, and I mean, there was guys. I mean, whole families were real out of docks. You know, and 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 there was men practically died down there. PJ. So I think it's on. It's it's kind of a. It's a, it's unfair that that the dockers will be forgotten about now. After all, they have work. Sounds you know? like a great idea. I mean, we have so much work supposedly coming on with, with various buildings being redeveloped and this new hotel they're supposed to put on the Port of Cork Island there or the Port of Cork Peninsula there mm-hmm. to remember the dockers either in a plaque or in a little museum yeah. or in a statue yeah. or something. Yeah, what I'm trying to do is generate a bit of interest, uh, PJ, to see if there anybody come on board and maybe give us a hand because there's only a couple of us at the moment, a couple of dockers maybe getting, ex-dockers of trying to get this thing off the ground, you know. I mean, and any help at all that we would get, we would appreciate it, you know. Okay, all right, listen. Uh, Liam, thanks for talking to us this morning. It's a fantastic part of our city's history and any young person should be told about it if you've got a young person that doesn't know about the dock. Like, it should be it should be on the curriculum in Cork schools. People should be told about our docks because the history of the dock workers is a glorious history and one we should honour. I completely agree with Liam. 1850-715-996. Now, this is a text that we just can't figure it out. All right? The executive research desk is completely baffled by this text and they've given it to me to see can if I unbaffle it and I can't actually PT I as far as no Paul McCartan was part of that Paduri glitter song what they're saying is we think that Paul McCartney was part of that Gary Glitter song and that's from John we finally figured it out was he? don't know it's worth looking up did he co-write it? I doubt it. I doubt it. Paul McCartney writing a song with or for Gary Glitter. I can't ever have imagined that happening, can you? This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. The person who sent in the text actually rang us to say, lads, I'm sorry, I actually got a new phone and I can't quite manage it. I know, it happens. Says Paul McCartney was involved in writing that song with Gary Glitter. I guess at the time, he probably didn't know what kind of a sleazeball Gary Glitter actually was. That's the only thing I can think of. John says, I hope whatever statue or solution goes up to commemorate Dockers is better than the listening posts they put up a few years ago which was meant to be an audio-visual experience of Docker's lives. They're like 
decommissioned weapons. You're not wrong, John. You're not wrong. They also kind of don't work half the time. But they're mainly an audiovisual experience about the whole dock and the whole port area. <laughs> and as someone said, the only one using them now as audiovisual experiences are some homeless people. Uh, I don't know. Right. Now, this is a story that's just landed that could well now break the internet. This story might break the internet. This story might be bigger than Brexit. This story might be bigger than Trump. For a few years now, someone who I trusted to follow me on my personal Instagram account has been consistently informing the Sun newspaper of my private posts and stories. It's a statement issued by someone very well known. There's been so much information given to them about me, about my friends and about my family, all without my permission or knowledge. This statement, by the way, has been issued by Colleen Rooney. After a long time of trying to figure out who it could be, for various reasons, I had some suspicions. To try to prove it, I came up with an idea. I blocked everyone from viewing my Instagram stories, except for one account. Those on my private account must have been wondering why I haven't had stories there for a while. Over the past five months, I've posted a series of false stories to see if they made their way into the Sun newspaper. But you know what? They did. The story about gender selection in Mexico, the story about returning to TV, and then the latest story about the basement flooding in my new house. It's been tough keeping it to myself and not making any comment at all, especially when the stories have been leaked. However, I had to. And now I know for certain which account and which individual it's come from. So she planted fake news on her Instagram account, having blocked everyone, bar- this is quite clever actually, having blocked everyone, barred the one person she suspected. She then planted these fake stories in her account and they managed to find their way into the sun. I've saved and screenshotted all the original stories and they show clearly that only one person has viewed them. Rebecca Vardy. Wow! Ooh! Daggers drawn. Claws bared. Ooh! So, Colleen Rooney has declared war on Rebecca Vardy. That will be bigger than Texas. On the subject of um, Colleen versus Rebecca, which, like we said, that's now that's the Battle of Britain. That's the real Battle of Britain now. Colleen versus Rebecca. Kevin says this is now a nailed-on certainty. The FA Cup third-round draw will miraculously throw up Leicester versus Derby County. If you're into the various transfers of players from club to club, you'll, you'll know what that's about. Rooney signs for Derby on the 1st of January, so that'll be interesting, won't it? Like I said, that story, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a very sad reflection on the world, though. But that story will probably be on more front pages tomorrow than Brexit or anything to do with Brexit. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I spoke to Angela Lyons on this program before. Angela is a Paralympian who is trying to get to the games in Tokyo. Uh, Angela is a horse rider. And uh, does dressage. I think I think you were in studio with me before, weren't you, Angela? Good morning to you. 
Uh, yes, I was. I was. It's great to talk to you again. And I'm really glad you played that song for us as power equestrians because most of them are made of bits of titanium. So <laughs> very apt for us. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that at all. <laughs> remind remind listeners again, you, you were you were a show jumper, I think, in, in your early years, weren't you? Uh, yeah, when I was younger, I show jumped. And um, when I was 15, I fell off. I, I shattered my, my um, hip and pelvis and my femurs and then between the jigs and the reels you now um, I had to give up riding I had hip replacements and over the years then um, I got back into it but uh, I took up dressage instead because mm. it was easier and um, that's the sport I do and I love and I'm hoping to compete yeah. at Tokyo um, with if all going well Dressage is that one where the horse kind of, for all the world, dances. Well, it, like that's that's what we hope. <laughs> but that's that's what we try to portray. Um, it's really it's a kind of obedience training, and it's you know that they do things on like a given movements on a given marker, and that and you're you're marked out of ten then for each movement mm. and things like that. So it's a phenomenal hope. test actually of the connection between horse and rider. Oh, it is. I mean, when it's right, there's nothing like it. Um, when you just get that bond and everything comes together and, and the test flows and, yeah, the harmony. But um, some days then, being animals, you know, doesn't always quite go to plan. But uh, we're always trying to achieve the perfect score. Yeah. Now, you tried to compete in, in 2012 in London, but you just weren't well enough. Isn't that right? No, I just... Uh, just coming on the run-up to that I knew I had something a little bit funny going on um, and like it took a long time to diagnose but I ended up being diagnosed with uh, rheumatoid arthritis on top of uh, everything else on top of everything else <laughs> but uh, again we've, we've kind of like it's again taken a while to get on top of that now a different try this medication that um, but at the moment it's it's uh, relatively under control it does, it does flare now and again but um, we're getting there so yeah. You know, onwards and upwards. Yeah, and, and and Rio, the Rio Olympics weren't weren't an option for you, were they? No, with the with the, with the way the drugs were going, like I was kind of right in the middle of treatment at that point. Yeah, and I couldn't. No, there was just I, I was barely riding at that point. So yeah, so now you're you're fit and healthy, or reasonably fit and healthy anyway. And Tokyo, uh, Tokyo, it's it's September 2020, isn't it? It is, and we got, we got yeah, we got news today, and so the good news is we got um, we're now I'm on the six riders long listed, and I'm one of them. So we found that out today. So that's the first big step. Yeah, explain so, the qualifying procedure because you can't oh, just you can't just rock up with your horse and start. Oh, taking it's, it's so complicated because I hardly understand myself. But um, this year Ireland had to qualify a space for Ireland and Irish riders. So even if your team won, you weren't guaranteed a place. So we're now we've done our last show last week. We did well, but um, the problem is there was shows running concurrently in other parts of the world, and then all the scores kind of come in to see what team. Like you have to be in the top eight, I think, yeah. and I think we were about eleventh. I think so. Okay. We had a bit to jump. Um, so if that doesn't go through, there'll still be two individual places for Ireland. So. Yeah. Then it all starts again next year. So then it's to try and get this, you know, we're busy mm. fighting against each other then to, yeah. to get so, the. So realistically, you probably won't know until when? Springtime? Springtime, yeah, because we'll be given, like, there's a meeting at the end of the month now and we'll be given our, 
like it was specific shows that we have to go to and um, target. So uh, we know then, see, I suppose, like it's again, it was a, it's the rider where the best scores are going to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll get there. And by all accounts, you're you're a hot prospect if if, if one is to believe what we read. Now. The problem with it is the Paralympics, even though we, we punch way above our weight there as, as a country, we do extremely well at the Paralympics, much better than we do at the regular Olympics, you might say. It's a lot harder for an athlete to actually get there. Yeah, it is. Um, the, like A lot of it is self-funding and, again, like it's grand to try and qualify. I, I did the ones in, in the UK because they were more accessible and, and affordable. But um, the, I mean, they possibly will be in France and mm. Holland. I would say. Right. Does the Olympic movement here give you guys any support at all? Uh, no, not not till you qualify. If you get on, if if you get to go, and you you work through, and you're one of the ones that get there, then you're covered. Everything is covered. Okay. And that's what I mean. You have to pay for everything. Okay, and in order to to get there and get the qualification, you need to fundraise. This is it, and like I actually can't thank people enough for getting behind me. I mean, it was it was my goal initially, but I mean, I'm humbled by all the people who have kind of jumped on my journey. Yeah, and, like, it, they, you you were you were starting to fundraise when we met here in in studio. You're you're still at it now, but in order to get you through the springtime, how much are you likely to need to get you to a point where you might be in a position to to actually qualify? It is where we kind of scare people off. I think um, it's like each event was, is probably about two thousand euros to get there by the time you travel the horse and pay the entry costs. You see, Angela, and for for a corporate sponsor, that's a drop in the ocean. Yeah, so I'll have to get the word out there now because I, I, I mean, I had we did a GoFundMe page and things like that, and the amount of people that gave what they could was just amazing i can't thank people enough now for for stepping up like they say like it takes a village like in in my case i had a city behind me and yeah you know people jumping to help but yes if there's any uh i would love a corporate sponsor yeah like what, is it, and sorry if i missed that the, the, is it th- definitely two more events and possibly three you need to do yeah definitely two possibly three so that's yeah, the again, bones of yeah. six grand yeah Sure, a corporate sponsor. And would you, no, here's the question, would you be allowed to wear a sponsor's name on your jacket? At all the qualifying events, you can't, like, there's, there's, I mean, when you warm up and all that, you can, you can, like, locally, anything, nationally, you can do that. Yeah. Um, and I, at the shows in the kind of, you, you can't really wear it going into the ring, but, you know, the horse can wear the, the rug on the outside, you can wear yeah. a jacket. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, there, there's, there's possibilities for, any kind of promotion that's there. So if anybody wants to help uh, our our Paralympian uh, dressage rider to get to Tokyo, once you get to, once you qualify for Tokyo, that's all taken care of. That's it. But it's to get there and make the mark and you need to do definitely two events, probably three or possibly three. So you're probably looking for the at very, very most about eight thousand from sponsorship. Yeah, that would, again, that would be that would be a dream now to get that to have there's all that covered. Be, so, um, yeah. There's got to be a corporate sponsor out there. There's got to be like. Yeah, I know people have like it, it's hard because you know like I'm not the biggest cause that's out there at the moment, but yeah, it would be great. And like I had one lady that emailed me and she was saying that she took her daughter to see me after seeing one of the paper things, and her daughter is cerebral palsy and. She said, um, after seeing me compete, that her daughter 
said she wanted to go home and and start riding straight away. And like her mother texted me and said that she'd never managed to get her to do anything because she was so embarrassed by her disabilities. And like to have some little inspirational bit on that is just Absolutely. amazing for me too. So that's brilliant. Is the GoFundMe yeah. still up there? The page is still open. Yep, that's it. It's on Pledge. It's actually Pledge Sports is the page it's on. Pledgesports.org and people can help that way. But look, there's lots of corporations and big offices and big names listening to this programme. If anybody would come in for a few grand sponsorship, the mentions alone that they'd get on this programme for doing it would would make it back for them. I really hope someone does come come good for you. (laughs) All right, Angela. Yeah, it would be great. And um, thank you as well and all your team for your support as well. You've Pleasure. been fantastic. Pleasure. Take care now. Okay, thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. 1850 715 This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, returning to the story that broke on the opinion line uh, throughout the morning, we were contacted shortly after half past ten by someone who wanted to, to tell us that the services in Bespera are closing and that the various service providers down there have been given three months to vacate the Bespera Centre. Now, we were, took us some time to confirm this, but we have actually confirmed that the nuns are selling the complex and have told the various service providers that they need to be out in three months. Now, I listed off some of the services down there. There's quite an extensive range of them. And I think a lot of people wouldn't be aware of the, given the terrible history of Besbra, the great work that's now been done there by service providers. Tara Kill is a child protection specialist who joins me at short notice. Thank you, Tara. The loss of these services, if they cannot be replaced, will be huge, won't it? Good morning. Absolutely. It's huge. We're all devastated here this morning. Um, I suppose we're very dedicated to the families and children that we work with and we'll be doing our very best to support them and trying to find alternative services to support them. But at the moment, some of our services can't be replicated. Um, so we're very much in limbo. When did you find out and how? Yesterday evening, we were called to a meeting and it was completely unexpected. Nobody knew, none of our management team, um, our CEO, nobody knew. So we were called very unexpectedly to a meeting and we were advised of this so we've had to contact other staff members who may be on leave for various reasons and let them know um, and I suppose it was quite a shock that it had broke to the media already this morning as we're trying to advise the families that we work with in the most sensitive manner. Yeah we got a call and we just we just acted upon it as these things happened. Like it was known Tara that the nuns were selling that that, that was public knowledge. Absolutely yes Yes, it was, PJ, but I suppose there was a commitment that we would be relocated on the grounds of Besborough and plans had been developed um, for that. So we were very much aware that that would be happening. However, the nuns have now withdrawn and so we are in a position where we need to vacate yeah. our property here and there isn't another. I went through some of the things that are su- that are supplied down there, some of the services like the Second Chance Education, Family Support, yeah. Community Crash, Preschool... Tell me what other what else goes on down there, Tara. Yeah, so I suppose our, our school, I mean, we have students ready to sit their leaving cert in June 2020. Um, we have a CE scheme and um, community employment scheme. We have um, a very large crash. Um, we have family support service. We have a supervised access service. So for families that are 
don't live together and are spending time together. We have the facility here for that. We also provide uh, a residential parent and infant unit for parents of very young children who are in need of additional support in a residential setting and it's a very bespoke service and there isn't another one like it in the country and we also provide assessments um, of families in the community and we provide therapeutic services as well from our clinical team so we have psychologists therapeutic family support workers and social workers providing those services who now will all be effectively without a place to work is there anywhere that you could move to? Like, it's it's a large operation. It's a very large operation. Um, I, absolutely, we are all putting our heads together and trying to think about that. But I don't know how realistic it is at this point and with such short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, to do that, I suppose we have the benefit of the large grounds here, which is huge our community employment scheme maintains fabulous grounds here and it's really therapeutic and necessary for the families we work with but even building wise alone um, there's nothing that we people people must be very angry with the order tara briefly yeah yeah really angry really upset very disappointed i suppose it's a very different message to what we have been receiving all along Right. Listen, leave it there. Thank you for taking our call at uh, short notice. That's Sarah Kyo, who's a child protection specialist at Besborough, confirming the news that broke this morning that all of the family support service, child support services, parental support services, educational services, including a school, all being closed. Nuns have given them three months to get off the premises. And there are things I could say, but I won't. Partly because I've only got 30 seconds left. And partly because if I start, I could easily get myself fired for swearing on the radio. So I'll just let it there. The programme edited by Deirdre Shotnessy, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Put your podcast up in the afternoon, your piece, in the early hours. See you tomorrow. Maybe with more on this and more besides. Just after nine.